SacredHeartRadio.com. Sixth of October. Almost forgot the date there. It is a Friday morning. Thanks for being with us on the Sunrise Morning Show. Let's begin with St. Monica's Sodality Prayer for Fallen Away Catholics. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Eternal and merciful Father, I give you thanks for the gift of your divine Son, who suffered, died, and rose for all mankind. Lord, you gave St. Monica a spirit of selfless love, manifested in her constant prayer for the conversion of her son, Augustine. Inspired by boundless confidence in your power to move hearts and by the success of her prayer, I ask the grace to imitate her constancy in my prayer for those who no longer share in the intimate life of your Catholic family. Grant through my prayer and witness that they may be open to the promptings of your Holy Spirit and return to loving union with your church. Grant also that my prayer be ever hopeful and that I may never judge another for you alone can read hearts. I ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. I like praying that one on Fridays, just in case someone headed in the weekend might think to themselves, you know what? I've not been to Mass in a while. Maybe I should go back. I like to pray just in case that happens. It is the Sunrise Morning Show. Thank you for being along here on a Friday morning. I'm Matt Swaim. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lockman at the controls. Travis has got the video up and running at sunrisemorningshow.com in the show notes. Michelle Sagarino is going to be along from Cross Catholic Outreach. They've got their Box of Joy program. Some of you have participated in that before, and if you haven't, she'll let you know how you can this year. Well, Dr. Jeff- Dr. Jeffrey Morrow, who is part of the Ascension uh, Catholic Guide to the Old Testament, we've been going th- uh, book by book through the Old Testament, and today we are on the book of Second Chronicles, which probably is not one that many of you have read from front to back. Ken Craycraft, our legal and political correspondent, will look at Laudate Deum and unpack it a little bit. We'll also look ahead to the Sunday Mass readings with Father Hezekiah's Carnazzo, so lots to get to here on a Friday morning. Right now, it is two minutes past. Here's Anna Mitchell with news. Good morning. UAW President Sean Fain is expected to address members of the United Auto Workers Union again tomorrow on the status of contract negotiations with Detroit's big three automakers. He has announced walkouts over the past couple of weeks and may include more locations tomorrow. There has reportedly been progress made with Stellantis and Ford Motor Company, with Ford reportedly making a significant offer. It includes a large pay raise and the end of, quote-unquote, tiers for employees. General Motors secured a $6 billion credit line as talks continue. A Russian strike on a Ukrainian village has left at least 51 people dead. Mark Mayfield reports. That's according to Ukrainian authorities. President Zelensky said on Telegram a missile hit a grocery store in the Kharkiv region, calling it a demonstrably brutal Russian crime. It's one of the deadliest civilian attacks in the year and a half of war. Zelensky wrote that anyone helping Russia supports evil. I'm Mark Mayfield. The work at the Synod on Synodality continues in Rome. A Vatican press conference was held yesterday with the prefect of the Dicastery for Communications, Paolo Ruffini. 
He said there are 35 working groups in the Senate and in his opening remarks to them, yes, to them earlier this week, Pope Francis said, quote, let the centrality of Christ be the guiding thread of this synod. Let him be the alpha and omega of our discussions. He said, I am praying so the synod will succeed in achieving his own goals. The Ohio March for Life is taking place today. Columbus Bishop Earl Fernandez will celebrate Mass at 9 a.m. Eastern Time at St. Joseph's Cathedral and then will join March for Life President Jeannie Mancini, Senator J.D. Vance, and others at the rally at the state capitol starting at 11 a.m. This happening just about a month ahead of the November 7th election, which in Ohio includes a vote on a proposed amendment to enshrine abortion in the state constitution. The bishops of Ohio have urged all people to vote no on issue one. The U.S. is resuming direct deportation flights of Venezuelan migrants next week. Trey Thomas reports. On Thursday, a Biden administration official announced any Venezuelans who illegally cross the border and do not establish a legal basis to remain will be flown back to their home country. Last month, the Biden administration offered a temporary protected status and work authorization to anyone from Venezuela who's lived in the U.S. before August. I'm Trey Thomas. And NFL Hall of Famer Dick Butkus has Died at the age of 80. The Chicago Bears released a statement from the Butkus family that said he died peacefully in his sleep overnight at his Malibu home. The linebacker spent his entire career with the Bears after being drafted by the team in 1965 and was named to the Pro Football Hall of Fame in 1979, his first year of eligibility. Well, Anna Mitchell... You're not going to believe this. Actually, you probably don't remember this. Uh, Paul Lockman wasn't around. Travis certainly wasn't around. But uh, many years ago, I would say about maybe 13 years ago, uh, Dick Butkus was a guest on the Sunrise Morning Show. Really? Believe it or not. Wow. Um, yeah, well, back when Brian Patrick was hosting it, and mm-hmm. Brian was also doing Crossing the Goal for EWT oh, and television. Oh, right, right, right. Because Danny Abramowitz, a former mm-hmm. New Orleans Saint wide receiver, was part of that panel. Of course, mm-hmm. many people know Danny from all kinds of things. On EWTN. At any rate, Danny uh, asked Mike if he'd be willing to come on the show. and Or not Mike. I always get Mike Dick and Dick Buckus up. <laughs> he asked Dick Buckus. He actually asked a few different people um, to do short little kind of men's faith and yeah. reflection thingies. So. It's because I said dub airs. You know, I called Annie last night and I was like, can we find archives? Do our archives go back that far to see if we could find a soundbite from that interview? But and I'm uh, sorry. They... Well... I haven't gone looking yet, Matt. You'll be disappointed. Well, maybe the breaks. Like, Paul Lockman Matt, can go see if it's like burned to a CD yeah, somewhere. Yeah, Matt tells me last be. night, he goes, there's probably a spool of CDs with dates on them. And I would have written on them in Sharpie who was on the CD. <laughs> Back when we, that's how we used to record the show there are in some the kids, There are some kids listening right now as they get who ready like, for church. Or they're church, like, what's a Sharpie? School, and they're like... What's a CD? Not what's a Sharpie. People use Sharpies. I'm just making sure that the world has not completely passed me by. (laughs) It is seven minutes past the hour. The Sunrise Morning Show continues. Thank you for joining us on this Feast of St. Vincent de Paul, who is one of the greatest 
models in the church of what it means to have faith and works to be involved in a life of prayer and also a life of tangible charity to others, which makes for a great occasion to talk to uh, our next guest. Michelle Sagarino is president of Cross Catholic Outreach. You know them for many things that we talk to throughout the year, but this time of year, they become rather well-known, increasingly well-known for the Box of Joy Project. Michelle, welcome back. Well, thank you, Matt. It's great to be with you this morning. We're coming near Christmas, aren't we? I, you know, <laughs> the box of joy. if I didn't hear it from you, I'd be hearing it from every store I walk into. <laughs> so, uh, you know, the reason that we're you know talking about this now here in September is not because we're trying to skip over seasons or anything, but because, I mean, you've got some planning to do if you're going to be distributing thousands upon thousands of these things and get them there on time, right? We definitely do. This is our kickoff season for the Box of Joy, which is a Christmas box program that goes out to children around the world that often never receive a Christmas gift. So in the last, let's see, 10 years, over a half a million gifts have been distributed around the world. And so we're kicking it off and asking groups to to sign up in September and October to participate in this um, initiative. Well, this is a great way to involve kids who are the same age as the kids getting the gifts in these projects. And that's what you really kind of focus on, right? It definitely is, Matt. We are able to, uh, each family is able to provide gifts to children, boy or girl, from two to four or five to nine or 10 to 14 and engage their families and their parishes and their schools in a faith initiative and hands and feet, you know, of Jesus working to fill these gifts up uh, with toys and school supplies and clothing and um, be able to send them to children who would never, ever be able to receive a gift. And we make that so, so easy, so easy for everyone to do. Um, as a matter of fact, we already have over a thousand groups signed up, and our goal is fifteen hundred. Wow. So you can go online to Box of Joy and register your group. It's very easy. You can become a project leader, and we will send you the kit of all the boxes. They're beautiful. The box to put the boxes in, and all the material to explain to your group how to go shopping fill their box, and where to drop their box off in November for pickup. Well, I don't know if you know this, but a lot of people listening right now are either taking their kids to a Catholic school that is not yet involved in Box of Joy, or maybe they just teach like sixth grade religious ed at their parish and don't have a project lined up yet uh, for their angel giving, whatever it is that they want to do, their their outreach. Uh, there are a lot of people out there who could probably help you hit that number of 1500 this year and that sounds like a big number but it's a number that's been growing because i feel like every year and we've been talking to you almost since the beginning it feels like you have, with box of you joy have. every year the numbers are just bigger and and i don't know i get excited to hear what it's going to be the next year uh, based on the numbers that we started talking to you about a very very exciting we started off with two dioceses when we began this program 10 years ago and I'd say two years ago, we were about 115,000 children were blessed. Last year, hundred and uh, this year, our goal is 151,000. So we've been able to expand into different countries, Dominican Republic, Guatemala. Last year, we went into Malawi. 
And um, these are areas and partners that we already work with. I know you've, you've had us on to share about other initiatives like helping with water or housing or um, microfinance. These partners are already long-term partners of ours, and now they're able to bless these children during the holidays to have a gift. And not only is it a material gift of, uh, you know, the toys and the excitement and the fun, but each box, when it comes to our National Screening Center in Miami, we put a rosary and a story of Jesus. And then when they're distributed to the children, the missionaries that provide the boxes to the children will share about the love of Christ and that this is coming from that love, from the United States with that love. Well, it's so cool to be able to talk to you about this on the Feast of St. Vincent de Paul. I know. Uh, because he modeled so much of this in his own work, and so many people have modeled uh, this idea throughout the ages, I think just up the road for me is the Shrine of St. Elizabeth Ann Seton, who looked to St. Vincent de Paul and was like, okay, what would I look if I did this in a school system, right? Uh, and the cool thing about that model is that it understands the idea of these two big, I mean, big ticket Catholic social teaching principles, solidarity and subsidiarity. Solidarity means that we have kind of a responsibility to our brothers and sisters in need. But subsidiarity means that we empower the people who are already there to take care of it. And that's kind of what you do, right? I mean, you're not just coming in, dropping off a truck full of stuff, and then flying back to Miami. I mean, you're empowering the people who are already there, right? Oh, I love that. I love that. Yes, most definitely. Over 10 years, we've been able to give $4 billion worth of aid in 90 countries. Our mission is to mobilize the global Catholic Church to transform the poor and their communities materially and socially and spiritually for the glory of Jesus Christ. And how we do that is through subsidiarity. It's coming alongside the partners that are already in country, the diocese, the bishops, the priests, the nuns, to be able to empower them with what they need to do what God has called them to do. So it's the perfect model. It's it's really unifying the church, and all of us are a piece of it. Well, there are some people getting excited just hearing you talk this way and want to figure out how to go get a box of joy start, started right now. So uh, if you could throw that uh, information out so that anybody could either individually or start a group um, to get this going where they are. Most definitely. You can go to um, boxofjoy.org, and right below the header, it's going to tell you every step to do. You can register your group, how to shop, what to shop for, where to drop off your boxes. And if you do not have enough time, some of us are so, so busy, you can even do Box of Joy online. Um, Sign up for that, and we will pack the boxes for you. So there's many ways you can get involved. All the resources are there, and a list of uh, most asked questions. What should I put in my box? When is the deadline? Our deadline is October 27th for groups to sign up. So you can find out all at boxofjoy.org. It's all linked at sunrisemorningshow.com, and now you see behind the scenes that I recorded that interview on the Feast of St. Vincent Paul. So see the video thing, it it just just, blasts out all of our secrets of how... uh, how we make this all work. Let's check on weather for the nation. 
And it looks like rain showers and perhaps a few thunderstorms will be found from the eastern Great Lakes and Ohio Valley into the central Gulf Coast in uh, the morning hours. That will spread to the northeast, mid-Atlantic, and the southern Appalachians during the afternoon, evening, and overnight. Rain also along an upper-level weather system. Timing for that will be morning as well for the northern plains, upper Mississippi Valley, and western Great Lakes. Then in the afternoon and evening for the Midwest and the rest of the Great Lakes. A big area of high pressure will settle over the western two-thirds of the nation for the end of the week. That'll mean dry weather and pleasant fall-like temperatures from the west coast to the plains. And that is your geography lesson for the day. Got headlines with Anna Mitchell coming up next. It is 16 minutes past the hour. Support is from Solidarity HealthShare. Do you have an insurance plan that pays for everything? even things that violate your beliefs? Have you ever felt there has to be a better way, but didn't know you had any options? If you answered yes, I've got some good news for you. There is a better way and a more affordable way. Solidarity HealthShare can save you hundreds of dollars each month while actually supporting your beliefs. Because the best news is that Solidarity HealthShare costs a whole lot less than insurance. It's time to jump in and put your money where your faith is and put some money back into your wallet at the same time. Join Solidarity HealthShare, a faith-based healthcare sharing community. Prices start as low as $384 a month for families. Call to see how much you can save. 844-334-3245. That's 844-334-3245. Solidarity HealthShare. 844-334-3245. It's the season of chunky soup and chunky sweaters, which means it's also pumpkin coffee season. And the Mystic Monks have their pumpkin spice blend in stock and ready for you to enjoy. And when you go to the Monks through sunrisemorningshow.com, we earn a commission on any flavor coffee or tea that you buy. Why shell out five bucks for a tall PSL when you can customize your own at home and drink it from a Sunrise Morning Show mug that you can find in our online store. Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee through sunrisemorningshow.com. He is honored by the church as a saint with the title Second Apostle of Germany. Matthew Bunsen and the Doctors of the Church. The Dutch-born Jesuit, St. Peter Canisius, was one of the key figures in restoring the Catholic faith in Germany during the Protestant Reformation. He is renowned for his catechism and also for his founding more than 40 universities that proved bastions of Catholicism across Central Europe. He died in 1597 and was named a doctor in 1925. To find out more, visit EWTN.com and click on Catholicism. 18 minutes past the hour. Here's Anna with headlines. A Russian strike on a Ukrainian village has left at least 51 people dead. The work at the Synod on Synodality continues today in Rome and in Ohio, the capital of Ohio, that is, in Columbus. The Ohio March for Life is taking place today. We'll talk more about that with Jeannie Mancini later on. And uh, Anna Mitchell, I do know that uh, people are going to be going into the weekend at their parish, and there's all kinds of stuff that the church is going to have us try to focus on in the readings, but there's going to be all kinds of chats before and after church, probably people giving their hot takes on all the news that's come out this week about church stuff. I just... Uh, you think so? Wanna, well, I mean, I know, I know <laughs> Honestly, what happens in the... <laughs> In my world. I don't hear many hot takes when I go to Mass. i got to admit. Well, I get a lot of questions. Most people are not paying attention to what is happening. Most people are not, but enough are who know that I I do Catholic radio stuff. 
that ask me. Well, okay, that's fair. All I'm going to say is that I would just encourage you to use this weekend not to marinate in all the things about scented stuff or anything else that stress you out, mm-hmm. um, but rather to take like an actual day of rest on Sunday. Um, this is something that I think that, uh, well, we've talked about this a lot with Dr. John Cuddeback, especially, mm-hmm. uh, about how are we treating our Sundays? Yeah. Like, how are we really treating our Sundays? Isn't this what the second reading is all about for Mass on Sunday? Uh, there's some Brothers stuff to and it. sisters have no anxiety at all, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God. Then the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is gracious, if there is any excellence and if there is anything worthy of praise, think about such things. That last one, Philippians 4, 8, is worthy of memorizing. Yes. Yes, it is. It's worthy of I memorized it in the NIV. It's so hard think about now <laughs> what you're going to think about on Sunday. Good idea. And commit to that to take an actual Sabbath. Does your parish have a spiritual event planned? Sacred Heart Radio can help get the word out. Whether it's a parish mission, 40 hours of adoration, or a speaker you've invited, just visit sacredheartradio.com and click on events and give us the facts to put on the radio and on our events calendar. One of the benefits of having a local Catholic station is to inform our listeners of the many spiritual activities happening throughout the tri-state. So to submit a spiritual event planned for your parish, just visit sacredheartradio.com and click on events. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from St. Margaret Hall, an assisted living and skilled nursing facility sponsored by the Carmelite Sisters for the Aged and Infirm. St. Margaret Hall has been providing loving care to the community for over 50 years. At St. Margaret Hall, your loved ones will receive 24-hour care from dedicated professionals with newly renovated stylish assisted living units. At St. Margaret Hall, the difference is love. On Madison Road, 513-751-5880. On the web at stmargarethall.com. Hi, I'm Jim Akers, board member with the Cincinnati chapter of Legatus. Catholic business leaders and their spouses meeting the challenge of balancing faith, family, and business. We meet once a month for Mass and dinner, along with a local or national speaker and a wonderful venue throughout the city. Many of our speakers you have heard right here on Sacred Heart Radio. Please think about joining our group of Catholic leaders and become an ambassador for Christ in your business or profession. Contact us at Cincinnati at Legatus.org. That's Cincinnati at Legatus.org. Working to see the culture of life prevail in the Miami Valley, Dayton Right to Life is here to protect God's gift of life through law, education, and community action, from fertilization to natural death. Find Dayton Right to Life online at DaytonLife.org. That's DaytonLife.org. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Fred Espenchide Plumbing. For plumbing and remodeling, Fred brings 55 years of experience to his work. Licensed in Ohio and Kentucky. Fred Espenchide, your pro-life plumber. 859-441-0950. 859-441-0950. It's time for our weekly Old Testament Bible study here on the Sunrise Morning Show. We've been using a Catholic guide to the Old Testament from Ascension Press. You can pick up your own copy at ascensionpress.com slash Old Testament. And we are back with Dr. Jeffrey Morrow, one of the contributors to this guide. Dr. Morrow, welcome back. Thanks. It's good to be here. It is good to have you. So we went through First Chronicles, and now we are up to Second Chronicles. 
in our study this morning. And and just like the first book of Chronicles, it's kind of a different perspective on a narrative that we've read earlier in the Bible. So what story is that? That is the stories that we find in First and Second Kings. So just as First Chronicles rereads the history that we have in First and Second Samuel, from the prophet Samuel through David, Second um, Chronicles takes us forward, covering the same historical territory that we find in First and Second Kings. And what is the new perspective, I guess, that we get on First and Second Kings when we read through Second Chronicles? Well, it's really a focus on the importance of the temple. I mean, it really is. That comes to the fore here. Uh, we see the dedication of the temple. We find this already in First Kings with Solomon. But what Chronicles does is it just adds an emphasis with more detail focusing on the temple. And this is really important because I think, especially if you read Second Chronicles right after First Chronicles, you start to see how the temple itself was like a microcosm of the world. It was like a little world. And if you read the creation account in Genesis 1 through 3, you start to see that, that the world was created as one large temple. And so you know, there's a parallel here. The world is created as a temple so that we could worship God and the temple was like a mini world. Can you explain that just a little bit further? Unpack yeah, that sure. for us. That's fine. There's a lot. There's a lot going on there. So yeah. there's a lot of of, of parallels between um, the creation in Genesis and first with Moses's construction of the tabernacle, which is like a movable temple in the desert in um, Exodus, and then with the temple in Jerusalem. So. The focus of the number seven is very important. So it was over seven years that the temple was built. There was a seven petitionary prayer that Solomon enacts, just as you have the seventh day of the Sabbath. The uh, Solomon is said by God said Solomon will build the temple, not you, David, because he is a more a man of rest mm. than you have been. And then the temple will become a a place of rest for the Ark of God and for the Lord. Um, so there's this theme, this creation, this rest imagery that's going on. Solomon was often depicted as a gardener, actually, in Jewish tradition. And if you look at how the temple is described, you find garden imagery on the walls. And just as in Genesis 3, you have the cherubim guarding with a flaming sword, guarding the entrance to the garden. You also have cherubim depicted on the walls on the inside of the temple. And on the inner sanctum, before you walk in, there's two statues of cherubim on the entrance. And then both the Garden of Eden and the temple are eastward facing. They were both entered from the east. That's really interesting. And I mean, isn't it those, the the remnant that stay behind during the exile? And I want to ask you about the Second Chronicles perspective on, sure. on the Assyrian and, and Babylonian exiles. But those who were left behind were essentially left to like garden, right? To like replant yeah. this this area that had just been destroyed by the Babylonians. Yeah, the Babylonian exile was particularly intense, and the destruction of the temple would have been viewed in some ways almost like the destruction of the world. Mm-hmm. It was that cataclysmic for ancient Israel. And so they were left without a temple, without a place of worship, and they did the best that they could. But it was really devastating. Um, and, and so when the new temple gets built, they they look at it as, you know, the one, there were still some people who would have been very young 
who could have remembered the old temple, and they would have seen this as this is nothing like Solomon's temple. Right? And yet they're being told, they're being encouraged that that's, that's okay, because Solomon built out of his great wealth, you're building from your heart. With the little you have, you're giving your all. And so there was encouragement there as well. Hmm. But there were some that decided to come and build their own houses first, right? In I mean, north. that was problematic. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. In the north, they have uh, multiple temples being built in the north. Um, and this is really, I think, important. We don't think a lot about this, but we, the Assyrians come in and wipe out the north, and they repopulate. So each of the—it is actually a connection here with the Gospel of John. The region of Samaria, there are five people groups that are forced to intermarry with the northern Israel, and, um, and those, they're, they're worshiping the false god Baal, which is also sometimes used as a term for a husband— a lord. And so when our Lord in John chapter 4 encounters the woman at the well, the Samaritan, and he says she's had five husbands, in a sense she's actually living out in her life the history of her people in the north, who had five people groups and, and had temples worshiping these different gods. Wow. So, Dr. Morrow, as we close this conversation, just what themes would you encourage folks to keep in mind as, as they read and study and contemplate Second Chronicles? The two biggest themes, I think, are the fact that, in a sense, it goes back to creation, that we really are created to be priestly people, that we're created to worship God and to mediate his blessings to the world, to people around us. And the second is a similar theme that we mentioned both in Second Kings and in First Chronicles, and that's the theme of hope. That no matter how bad things get in the church, in history, in our lives, in the people around us, no matter how bad things get, there's always the hope of God's redemption and healing. Beautifully put. We've been talking to Dr. Jeffrey Morrow, and we've been talking about the second book of Chronicles. And you can pick up a copy of A Catholic Guide to the Old Testament to learn more. It's at ascensionpress.com slash Old Testament. Dr. Morrow, thank you so much. Thank you. It was a pleasure. It was a pleasure to have you. Half past the hour now on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's time for news. A Russian strike on a Ukrainian village has left at least 51 people dead. That according to Ukrainian authorities. President Volodymyr Zelensky said on Telegram a missile hit a grocery store in the Kharkiv region, calling it a, quote, demonstrably brutal Russian crime, end quote. It is one of the deadliest civilian attacks, attacks in the year and a half of war. Zelensky wrote that anyone helping Russia, quote, supports evil. The Pentagon says a U.S. fighter jet shot down an armed Turkish drone operating near American troops in Syria. Brigadier General Pat Ryder told reporters the drone was shot down after it was determined to be a potential threat. He added there's no indication Turkey was intentionally targeting U.S. forces and Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin has spoken to his Turkish counterpart, it's the first time the U.S. has brought down an aircraft of a NATO ally. This comes as Turkey has increased attacks on Kurdish troops in Syria and Iraq after Kurdish militants recently claimed responsibility for a bomb attack in Turkey. United Auto Workers President Sean Fain is expected to address union members again on the status of contract negotiations with Detroit's big three automakers. Mark Mayfield has the story. 
It appears that soundbite is not going to work. So he will address them on the status of contract negotiations. He has announced walkouts over the past couple of weeks and may include more locations in this latest update. There has reportedly been progress made in talks with Stellantis and Ford Motor Company, with Ford reportedly making a significant offer. It includes a large pay raise and the end of so-called tiers for employees. General Motors secured a $6 billion credit line as talks continue. The work at the Synod on Synodality continues. A Vatican press conference was held yesterday with Paolo Ruffini, who is the prefect of the Dicastery for Communication. There are more than 400 delegates, and Ruffini said the 35 working groups, or circuli minori, started off with some reflection. The main question posed to them was this, quote, starting from the journey of the local churches to which we each belong and from the contents of the Instrumentum Laboris, which distinctive signs of a synodal church emerge with greater clarity and which deserve greater recognition or should be particularly highlighted or deepened, end quote. Catholic News Agency reports that other questions were posed to the delegates for reflection as well. The Ohio March for Life is taking place later today. Columbus Bishop Earl Fernandez will celebrate Mass at 9 a.m. Eastern at St. Joseph's Cathedral in Columbus and then will join March for Life President Jeannie Mancini, Senator J.D. Vance of Ohio and others at the rally at the state capitol starting at 11 a.m. The march itself will take place at noon. This happening just about a month ahead of the November 7th election in which which in Ohio will include a vote on a proposed amendment to enshrine abortion in the Ohio Constitution. The bishops of Ohio have urged all people to vote no on issue one. The U.S. is resuming direct deportation flights of Venezuelan migrants next week. Trey Thomas has more. On Thursday, a Biden administration official announced any Venezuelans who illegally cross the border and do not establish a legal basis to remain will be flown back to their home country. Last month, the Biden administration offered a temporary protected status and work authorization to anyone from Venezuela who's lived in the U.S. before August. I'm Trey Thomas. And NFL Hall of Famer Dick Butkus has died. He was 80 years old. The Chicago Bears released a statement from the Butkus family that said he died peacefully in his sleep overnight at his Malibu home. The linebacker spent his entire career with the Bears after being drafted by the team in 1965. That's the news on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's 35 past the hour. When you click subscribe at sacredheartradio.com, you get our show notes in your inbox with links to everything featured on the Sunrise Morning Show and Driving Home the Faith. To know when your favorite guests are on, go to sacredheartradio.com and click subscribe. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Schneller Knockelman Plumbing, Heating, and Air. During the hottest of weather, Schneller Knockelman will keep you cool with air conditioning repair, installation, and maintenance. Schneller Knockelman. Find us at skpha.com, skpha.com. Being prepared is everything, right? Does your family know your wishes for your final resting place? 
Gate of Heaven Cemetery, Archdiocese of Cincinnati's pre-planning family services advisors will assist you and your family with your advanced planning by helping you make decisions calmly and with a clear mind. Attend an upcoming pre-planning seminar at Gate of Heaven Cemetery so you can rest with peace of mind. 513-489-0300. 513-489-0300. It's 24 minutes before the hour on this Feast of St. Bruno, Friday, October the 6th. Your forecast is brought to you on Sacred Heart Catholic Radio by schneller Nockman Plumbing, Heating, and Air. Online at skpha.com. Getting cooler today. Right now, temperatures in the lower 60s as you're heading out the door. For Cincinnati, clouds early, then clearing, and a high of 72 today. Mostly cloudy with some isolated sprinkles tonight and an overnight low of 45. Partly to mostly cloudy with a slight chance for a shower tomorrow and a high of 58 degrees. For the Miami Valley-Dayton area, decreasing clouds today and a high of 72. Slight shower chance early this evening, otherwise partly cloudy tonight with an overnight low of 43. Mix of clouds and sun and a slight chance for a shower tomorrow with a high of 56 degrees. This is Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. It's 37 minutes past the hour. You're listening to the Sunrise Morning Show on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Good to have you along with us on this feast of St. Bruno, the founder of the Cistercians. Pray for us. Sunrise Morning Show legal and political analyst Ken Craycraft back with us now. He's a professor at Mount St. Mary's Seminary. He writes for the Catholic Telegraph, our Sunday visitor, and the UK Catholic Herald. Good morning, Ken. Good morning, Annie. How are you? I am doing fine. It's good to have you back. And the Holy See on the Feast of St. Francis uh, released the Pope's latest apostolic exhortation, Laudate Deum, in which um, I'm not directly quoting him. This is a paraphrase. He essentially says, you did not listen to me in Laudato Si, and so I'm going to double down now. Um, But this document, Laudate Deum, is way shorter than Laudato Si. I mean, so definitely not as expansive in scope here. Yes, that's right. And, and it, it, you did paraphrase, but it was a pretty close paraphrase. He basically <laughs> said, uh, "My my, the first encyclical wasn't heeded, so I'm uh, sending this ep, uh, apostolic exhortation uh, so that the first one will be heeded. Yeah. And, and the first, uh, Laudato Si, weighed in at about 40,000 words. This is about 7,000 words. So it's, uh, it's like an addendum to uh, Laudato Si more than it is a freestanding document. And uh, not surprisingly uh, for that reason, and because the Pope has a habit of doing this, uh, if you take away the quotes from Laudato Si, it's probably only about 3,000 words. <laughs> uh, so it's, it extensively quotes from the first document. And the body of the document actually is not a theological or a um, or a religious uh, treatise at all. The body of the document is is the rehearsal of a massive amount of scientific data related to climate change and to uh, you know to uh, different types of uh, ways that it's it's measured and uh, the effects of uh, climate change on uh, various aspects of uh, economies around the world, um, as well as a summary of what has been done in terms of uh, various uh, uh, conventions around the world and how those conventions have or have not been kept 
uh, since they've been passed. So um, it, it's it's kind of a strange document in that way. Mm-hmm. Actually, I, the more I think about it, the more I think that it seems like somebody, um, you know, somebody with some scientific uh, expertise or interest uh, drafted a document and then uh, the Pope basically tacked on a beginning and an end around that scientific analysis. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. Now, you know, eight years ago, I read the entire very long Laudato Si. And oh, so was, you're the one. Yeah, the the <laughs> one of the few. Yeah, and and that that leads me to what I want to ask you here because I lamented back then that most people got their information from the media. And the thing about media today is that you can go to the Vatican website and get an entire encyclical that, what did you say it was, 40,000 words? 40,000 words, 40,000 word encyclical online. And there's this lovely little feature, Control F, which brings up this Mm -hmm. little, you know, bar on your computer, which is a search bar. And you can search for keywords um, you know, incendiary words, for instance, and mm-hmm. the computer will just show you right where that is. And you can just pull out quotes that say exactly what you want Pope Francis to say without giving <laughs> any other context. And so most people didn't read Laudato Si in its entirety. And I think Laudate Deum needs Laudato Si, Laudato si to be understood properly. Oh, I don't think there's any question about that. And, and you are right. I mean, people will uh, do a, a search for either terms that will confirm what they want the Pope to say or or uh, or the lack of terms. So, for example, if it doesn't contain enough references to this or that, then people will complain about it as mm-hmm. well, which is, you know, obviously not a very good way of an, analyzing a document. Uh, but, yeah, you're right. There's no question that it's not a freestanding document. Uh, you, it, it doesn't make sense outside of Laudato Si. And it's also important to note, that Laudato Si was not just about the environment. It had yeah. there were other aspects as well. Whereas Laudato Deum is 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 solely concentrated on the environment and on climate change. And look, I you know I I looked at it with an open mind and and I and I was you know, certainly glad that it was shorter. Uh, and and I um, I think that the document is in large part a, a good document. Uh, I don't I don't gainsay the scientific data as I say in my piece in the Catholic Herald. Uh, analyzing it, um, you know, uh, uh, thermometers and, and wind gauges and barometers don't lie. I mean, we can measure differences in climate. Mm-hmm. Obviously, this leaves open the, the very important question of causation. And the Pope is fair about that, too. You know, he notes that uh, we, we can't dismiss uh, long-term cyclical changes. And, you know, the, the hardcore climate deniers say, well, the climate has always changed, and this is just another example of it. The Pope rightly points out that, yes, that there that is a factor. But he also points out that we've never been able to measure uh, such uh, significant changes, for example, in average high temperatures in such a short period of time as we have in the past uh, 30 or 40 years. What, so that's a good point, too. So there's a sense in which I admire the document uh, for its balance. It, it's not, for the most part, it's not reductionist. In addition, uh, he, he, he criticizes what he calls certain apocalyptic diagnoses, which he says are scarcely reasonable. So it's not uh, uh, the end. It, it's not an end. Uh, it's not a sky is falling document. It comes close to that in some language, but it is more measured than than the Pope's uh, knee jerk critics would have you uh, have you uh, think it is. Uh, and maybe it doesn't go as far as some really uh, adamant climax. 
client activists might uh, have wanted it to. But... But there are problems with it. And, and you know, I, I, I tell my students, I'm not in the, the, the Francis uh, criticism business. Uh, he's the Holy Father. Uh, I, uh, I respect and admire him. Uh, I thought Fratelli Tutti was a great document, for example, and he's done other things that I think are really good. And on the other hand, he has said and done things that I have questions about. And this document is included in that. My, I have two chief complaints about the document, and, and, and some, one of them is relatively minor and one of them is more significant. The first one is that the Pope, despite the fact that he is measured in his analysis, he does seem to think that the sole way uh, of, of reducing uh, climate change is to reduce consumption. And he, he really, he, there's a sense in which he thinks if we just consume less, all these problems will go away. And he summarizes, the, he summarizes this attitude by saying, and I want to quote, Part of it. He says, if we consider that emissions per individual in the United States are about two times greater than those of individuals living in China, and about seven times greater than the average of the poorest countries, we can state that a broad change in the irresponsible lifestyle connected with the Western world model would have a significant long-term impact, unquote. Now, of course, you know, Americans who already uh, don't like Pope Francis will, will seize upon that because he specifically points out the United States. Mm -hmm. But m I'm not worried about that. I criticize the United States probably more than, uh, than Pope Francis does. Mm -hmm. My concern is that this ignores that emissions per individual is not necessarily a measure of consumption, but also can be a measure of manufacturing and distribution of goods. Of course, a, a, a highly developed country with extensive manufacturing processes is going to have higher emissions per individual than a country that doesn't have uh, extensive manufacturing, or as he calls it, uh, a poorer country. So to say that to say that the measure of irresponsibility is emissions per individual is just wrong. Mm -hmm. And also to say that merely uh, st uh, 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 decreasing consumption is going to solve all the problems, that's simply wrong. Uh, I, I believe that manufacturing has a causal relation to climate uh, uh, climate change. I don't think there's any doubt about that. I also believe that overconsumption does. I don't have any doubt about that. But the Pope kind of reduces everything to consumption and then reduces emissions per person to nothing but consumption. And that's just not fair. And what did you think about, just quickly, because we've only got like a minute and a half here, Ken, um, which you know, works because there was very little theological reflection in yeah. this, given that yes. I think he's expecting folks to have read Laudato Si. I, I think that's probably right. And, and there is far more theological reflection in Laudato Si than there is in this document. In this document, Annie, there's none. There really is no theology at all. At the end of the document, he tacks on a, 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 a sort of a religious meditation on, on uh, the, the way that there's a, a certain equilibrium between humans and plants and animals. But there's no theological uh, 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 analysis here about the way that things should be ordered toward God, uh, including our care of creation and our, and our love of creation and stewardship. That's just absent from the document. So, uh, and, 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 and I, give it, I give it two cheers. So... I, I like it. I like two thirds of it. A third of it, I'm not so crazy about. Well, you can read more about it over at the UK Catholic Herald and Ken's column there. Ken, thank you so much. Thank you, Amy. All right, it's 13 till. Father Hezekiah Carnazzo is next. Are you looking for peace? Longing for joy? Want to meet the giver of all goodness? God is calling the laity to bring Ignatian prayer into a suffering world. 
Work for the new evangelization. Go to LordTeachMeToPray.com. Order your free digital training and manual. Find true happiness and everlasting joy. Go to LordTeachMeToPray.com and click on the red button today. It's free. Approved by the USCCB. Support for the Sunrise Morning Show is from Visiting Angels. Visiting Angels provides experienced, compassionate care to millions of aging adults nationwide by keeping them safe and healthy in the comfort of their own home. Whether it's a short break for caregivers or for long-term assistance, Visiting Angels provides hygiene, meals, light housework, companionship, and more. And services are available up to 24 hours per day. Visiting Angels, online at visitingangels.com. That's visitingangels.com. Franchise opportunities available. We know a lot of you love anything pumpkin-flavored, and others, well, not so much. But the Mystic Monks of Wyoming are taking care of both of you with their coffee. That's right. Their seasonal favorite pumpkin spice blend is available, along with other normal flavors. And when you purchase them after clicking the Mystic Monk link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you earn us a commission. While you're at our site, pick up a Sunrise Morning Show mug in our online store. Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. The EWTN on-demand platform features 50 new podcasts every week, as well as an ever-expanding library of audio and video content. For Catholics who want to learn more about their faith, simply using their mobile device, computer, or TV. Your favorite EWTN programs are available 24-7. Visit EWTN.com and click On Demand. EWTN is the Global Catholic Network. us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Father Hezekiah Carnazzo from the Institute of Catholic Culture here to preview the Mass readings for the 27th Sunday in Ordinary Time. Father, good morning. Good morning, Annie. It's such a blessing to be with you and your listeners today. It is a blessing to have you back. And we head to the prophet Isaiah, very early on in the prophet Isaiah, for our first reading this weekend in chapter 5, verses 1 through 7. And it's kind of interesting, Father, because we've been hearing all of these parables from Jesus, and we will this weekend as well, that are focused on vineyard imagery. And now we see with this first reading that Jesus was alluding back to the Old Testament. Oh, yeah. You know, we need to remember, Annie, always, as I so commonly say, a a text without a context is no text at all. And the Messiah without a context, sadly, is, I'm not going to say it's not the Messiah, but is misunderstood. And so Jesus is teaching in a context. Is, is the people around him um, are, are, are within a, a culture, and that culture is very much a biblical culture. So when Jesus is teaching, he's using images in the parables in his teaching. The images he uses, he's not kind of making up. These are images used by the prophets of the Old Testament to warn God's people of what is taking place in their life. Uh, and Jesus, of course, is coming as the final and greatest of prophets, the incarnate Word of God. And, and so he borrows from images in the Old Testament so as to allow the people around him to help them understand what he's saying. And, of course, they understood what he was saying because he's prophesying and he's quoting very clearly in the Gospel that we hear today the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah lived before the just just before the Babylonian exile. The impending doom was expected in Jerusalem. 
that the Babylonians were to come down and conquer. The Assyrians were marching down uh, upon um, not only destroying the north, but marching on the south. Soon the Babylonians would take control, um, and the greatest army the world ever knew would march on Jerusalem and sadly burn it to the ground. Why? The question is asked, why? Well, Isaiah is very clear about that, because God had placed Israel in his, if you will, vineyard, yeah, the leaders of Israel, in the midst of his people, so as to cultivate the vineyard and make it fruitful, make it grow, make it more faithful to him. And yet they had abandoned their God-given mission to till and keep the church of the Old Testament, turning rather to idol worship and so forth, and and abandoned their relationship with God. So Isaiah is warning that in this situation in which those that were placed in the role of tilling and keeping God's people, in the situation in which they had abandoned their job, well, the vineyard was going to turn bad, and it was going to start growing wild grapes. It didn't bear good fruit. And the results of that would be very clear. And this is the image that Jesus picks up from the Old Testament. Yeah, and so in Matthew 21, we know that Jesus has already taken off the gloves, so to speak, when he's speaking to the chief priests and the elders, this parable being given to them during Holy Week. And he tells this parable about a landowner who plants a vineyard and he rents it out. And when the time comes to obtain the produce, he sends servants They get seized and beaten by the tenants. Then he sends even more servants. They get beaten and killed. And then he finally sends his son. But the tenants say, this is the heir. Come, let us kill him and acquire his inheritance. And and Jesus goes on from there asking them, what is the landowner going to do? Father, this being directed at the the chief priests and the elders here it is of course the fathers of the church interpreting this parable tell us that the imagery is very clear the vineyard of course is the church the servant sent are the the patriarchs and the prophets uh the judges and so forth those all those that god sent to lead his people into all truth but of course they stoned the prophets and killed them and then of course the son is jesus the most important thing of this parable is that, we, is that we begin in a theocentric way. God has provided everything necessary in his church for salvation. He's ensured that the, the hedgerow around it, right, the moral teachings of the church are there to guide us, uh, that all the protections are in place, the, the life of, of the church, the sacrament, everything necessary for the vineyard has been taken care of by God. But he has placed all of that in the hands of his chosen leadership, if you will, in, in our hands. Well, in the context of the gospel, in the, in the hands of the leaders of Israel who are meant to feel and keep and receive those God sent to them so that the harvest may be complete. But they've abandoned their job. And here we are in Holy Week. Jesus knows they're seeking to kill him. And so this is very clear, the imagery, Annie, of what's taking place. But of course, the gospel is written down in the years yeah. following all of this and given 
to the early church as a warning. Absolutely, which leads me to my last question. I mean, I guess when you're looking at the context here, they're in the midst of Holy Week, but we here liturgically are receiving this as we are now very much looking ahead toward Advent. So what is the message for the church here, Father? Well, I think it's very simple and very clear. The Lord has given us everything necessary for salvation. The church is filled with God's life, filled with his grace. He's placed the hoe and the shovel, if you will, in our hands. And it's a warning today to all of us. If the Lord appeared today in our church, would we appear before him with a hoe in our hand or with our hands in our pocket? We have been given the church to till and keep and make it fruitful, that others might come and receive that fruit and grow themselves into the vineyard of the Lord. Sadly today, as I've said so many times, too many Catholics, even too many priests and bishops, treat the church like a vending machine. And rather than tilling and keeping and growing it, we use it for our own ends. My brothers and sisters, the hoe has been placed in your hand. What are you going to do with the gift, which is the Church of God? We've been talking to Father Hezekiah Carnazzo. And Father, if listeners want to see what's happening over at the Institute of Catholic Culture, how do they get more info? We've just launched our new curriculum here at the ICC. I invite you to come on over and check it out, instituteofcatholicculture.org. Linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Thank you so much, Father Hezekiah. Another hour coming up for most of our affiliates here on EWTN Radio. I'm Father Rob Jack. Join me this afternoon for Driving Home the Faith. And Corinne Lamarca will talk about State Issue 2, which would legalize marijuana. Dr. Raymond Abier will talk about the upcoming event on religious freedom. I'll speak about the gospel for the 27th Sunday of the year, plus frequent traffic and weather. That's this afternoon beginning at 4 on Sacred Heart Radio. You're on the road to Christ the King. Offering Catholic retreats based on Ignatian spirituality, the Jesuit Spiritual Center is offering weekend retreats this fall led by various retreat masters, including Father Michael Graham. Join us this October for a weekend of silence as you experience the great treasures of the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola. Register now at JesuitSpiritualCenter.com. JesuitSpiritualCenter.com. That's JesuitSpiritualCenter.com. Hi. This is John Kennedy, a State Farm agent and a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio. If you need life insurance, I can help process the best options for you and your family. You can reach me at 859-485-2000 or online at johnkennedyinsurance.com. It's not over. Unplanned pregnancies still happen. I'm Marianne Koharski, Director of Pro-Life Across America. In my 30-plus years, I've never seen such a concerted attempt to silence our efforts and at a time when it's most needed. There's a powerful effort to prevent and block our pro-life messages. Our billboards, social media, and digital ads are all impacted. Our messages feature a hotline number connecting callers with more than 3,000 pregnancy support centers across America, offering alternatives to abortion, free ultrasound, and pregnancy assistance. Babies' lives are being saved. The need still exists. It really does. And Pro-Life Across America needs your help. Please find us at prolifeacrossamerica.org. Did you know I could suck my thumb before I was born? Yep, we all started small. Pro-Life Across America. 
The Comboni Missionaries present Taste of Mission Family Event, Saturday, October 7th. Enjoy international food booths, a beer and wine garden, and shopping from around the world at the Mission Market. Fantastic music, a special area for the kids, and new this year, a petting zoo. Admission is free. The Taste of Mission, Saturday, October 7th, from 4 to 8 p.m. at the Comboni Mission Center on Nagel Road in Anderson. More information at combonimissionaries.org backslash T-O-M. This is Father Michael Mary Dosh from St. Gertrude in Madeira. Thank you for listening to Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. 740 WNOP Newport, 910 WPFB Middletown, or get the app, stream, podcast, and more at sacredheartradio.com. Continue on this Friday, the 6th of October, by praying together in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Lord, have mercy on your people. You are the potter and we are the clay. Shape us in your image according to your will. You are the shepherd and we are the flock. Seek out those who have strayed from your ways. You are the host and we are the guests at your table. Feed the hungry of spirit with the bread of your loving forgiveness. God of mercy and compassion, you brought about the salvation of the world through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Have mercy on us when we fail to live the new life you have given us. Raise us up when our sinfulness sinks us into discouragement. Grant us courage to renew our desire to live according to your will. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. It is a better way to start a Friday morning, the Sunrise Morning Show here on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. I'm Matt Swaim. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Ackman at the controls. And up this hour, there are so many things going on. Uh, we're going to talk to Jeannie Mancini uh, about the Ohio March for Life. Of course, lots of issues at stake for pro-lifers here in the Buckeye State. Dr. Samuel Shepard will be with us. He is with um, the Pursuit of Wisdom program at Ave Maria University, and he's going to discuss how they're approaching the question of stewarding the environment. Of course, a conversation that is being had on lots of levels because of the recent release of the Pope's apostolic exhortation, Laudate Deum. Bobby Schindler will be along from the Terry Schiavo Life and Hope Network. Also, Father Jonathan Duncan from the Diocese of Charleston to look ahead to the Sunday Mass readings. So lots to get to here on a Friday morning. Right now it is two minutes past. News the service of Central Fabricators and centralfabricators.com. Here's Anna Mitchell. Good morning. The United Auto Workers president will make an announcement on Facebook Live today at 2 p.m. Eastern time regarding a possible expansion of their strike against the big three automakers. The president of the UAW has spoken the past two Fridays to announce New additions to the ongoing work stoppage. The UAW is expanding the stand-up strike by targeting a few assembly plants and more than 30 parts plants. The progress of the talks with each automaker are reflected in which plants are added to the strike each week. A Russian attack on a Ukrainian village has left at least 51 people dead. Mark Mayfield reports. That's according to Ukrainian authorities. President Zelensky said on Telegram a missile hit a grocery store in the Kharkiv region, calling it a demonstrably brutal Russian crime. 
It's one of the deadliest civilian attacks in the year and a half of war. Zelensky wrote that anyone helping Russia supports evil. I'm Mark Mayfield. The work at the Senate on Synodality continues. A Vatican press conference was held yesterday with Paolo Ruffini, the prefect of the Dicastery for Communication. There are more than 400 delegates, and Ruffini said the 35 working groups started off with some reflection, with the main question being, quote, starting from the journey of the local churches to which we each belong and from the contents of the Instrumentum Laboris, which distinctive signs of a synodal church emerge with greater clarity and which deserve greater recognition or should be particularly highlighted or deepened, end quote. Pope Francis, in his remarks to participants on day one, told the delegates that the Holy Spirit is the protagonist of the synod. He said, quote, let the centrality of Christ, therefore, be the guiding thread of this synod. Let him be the alpha and omega of our discussions. He said, I am praying so the synod will succeed in achieving his own goals. The Ohio March for Life is taking place today. Columbus Bishop Earl Fernandez will celebrate Mass at 9 a.m. Eastern at St. Joseph's Cathedral and then will join March for Life President Jeannie Mancini and others at the rally at the state capitol. This happening just about a month ahead of the November 7th election, which in Ohio will include a vote on a proposed amendment to enshrine abortion in the Ohio Constitution. The bishops of Ohio have urged all people to vote no on issue one. More on this Ohio March for Life with Jeannie Mancini from the March for Life in just a few minutes. The U.S. is resuming direct deportation flights of Venezuelan migrants next week. Trey Thomas has more. On Thursday, a Biden administration official announced any Venezuelans who illegally cross the border and do not establish a legal basis to remain will be flown back to their home country. Last month, the Biden administration offered a temporary protected status and work authorization to anyone from Venezuela who's lived in the U.S. before August. I'm Trey Thomas. And imprisoned Iranian human rights activist Nargis Mohammadi is the winner of the 2023 Nobel Peace Prize. The committee announced this morning Mohammadi is being recognized for her, quote, fight against the oppression of women in Iran and her fight to promote human rights and freedom for all. Mohammadi has been arrested several times by Iranian authority with authorities with various sentences totaling more than 30 years in prison and more than 150 lashes. She is currently behind bars today. Well, I've also been uh, reading up on the guy who won the Nobel Prize in, in literature, literature. Yeah. Uh, who happens to be a Norwegian author who converted to Catholicism in like 2013. Yeah. And who has uh, lots of spiritual themes in his works. That's John Fossey. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I'll be, uh, I'll be uh, digging in and seeing what his deal is a little yeah, bit Yeah, I've never read curious. John Fossey, but there's some interesting, I've been reading about his work. And, yeah, it sounds very interesting, although his septology is apparently written in a single sentence. Oh, wow. It's a seven-volume novel written in a single sentence. And so I'm not sure if I have the mental... James Joyce material. Yeah, I was was thinking, I'm not sure if I have the mental bandwidth to focus uh, on something like that. Some of St. Paul's epistles. Perhaps that's where he got there are a couple the idea. of epistles of St. Paul that are th- oh my maybe gosh. three sentences. Do you ever do you ever lecture at mass? 
I, I do haven't, not. I haven't lectured. I've intentionally long not been in the lector circuit. Oh, the lector circuit. I, yeah, I like to be an, an invisible beggar in the back. Neat. Well, I lectured when I was in like high school, and man, you've really got to practice St. Paul sometimes. When it comes gotta, to reading him out loud to folks and being able to do it in such a way as you're not taking a breath in the middle of, you know. Well, if you've got the really Pentecost reading from the book of Acts and you have to list all the places that everybody's from who's there. Well, that's easy because you, you know, have commas. You've got commas, yes. So you can you And can most pause. of those are just two or three syllables long, but... You know, you got to put a put the right emphasis on the right syllable. Mm, well, that's true, but most people say. don't know how to pronounce it anyway. So you just say it. This is a great rule of thumb, folks. Say it with confidence, and people won't know the difference. Nobody will know the difference. And Anna Mitchell has to do this. She she I have to do this all the she time. She meets new people every morning, just putting together the news. Who like, <laughs> come from all kinds of places that have local pronunciations, but you get the Anna Mitchell version. Indeed. And hopefully, hopefully it's correct. I think it is. Hopefully. Most of the time. I try to do my research on these fronts. Anyway. Today is Friday, October the 6th. It is the Feast of St. Bruno. No, 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 no. Matt? Nothing? No. I'm doing He's to you what you do to me in this situation. He's pulling an Anna Mitchell on me. Neat. It's eight past. Happy to welcome back to the Sunrise Morning Show, Jeannie Mancini, the president of the March for Life. Good morning, Jeannie. Well, good morning. It's good to have you. It is time for the second official Ohio March for Life taking place in Columbus. Are you going to be there? You bet. Awesome. Give us a rundown of the day. Yeah. Well, let me just say this, too, Anna, that this is none too soon, as all of your listeners know, that next month, of course, Ohio has a really important vote. They need to vote against the abortion amendment for the Constitution. But um, maybe we'll have a minute to get to that. It's the second annual March for Life, as you mentioned, Anna. So, well, for your listeners, we're delighted that uh, the bishop will be, Bishop Earl Fernandez, will be celebrating Mass at 9 a.m. at St. Joseph's Cathedral. We then have at 10 o'clock at the Capitol, uh, Damascus Missions um, is going to lead a pre rally worship concert. This is a wonderful worship band. We had them last year as well. Love that organization. Nice. And then at 11 a.m., the official rally begins. We've got a really good line up with, I would say, um, our, our keynote or our headliners being the lieutenant governor and second lady uh, speaking and then marching with us. Uh, at noon, the crowd will begin to march around the Capitol. And then we even have an afternoon session at 1230, which uh, is the it's, it's an advocacy event. So helping people to learn how to enact with their with their officials. Um, they're elected officials in Ohio and then nationally, but also to get out and do some door knocking for this last month before the initiative vote on November 7th. So um, check us out at marchforlife.org. You can look at the drop-down menu on the Ohio March for Life for all of the information that I just listed. Yeah, and you can find that linked at our site as well, uh, sunrisemarchshow.com. Oh, now, you mentioned issue one here in Ohio. Jeannie, can you talk about how important this rally is in light of that? I, I, gosh, we just 
I, I don't mean to be fear-mongering or sensationalizing, but I cannot underscore how critical this vote in Ohio is next month. I mean, frankly, all eyes are on Ohio in the country because since the wonderful overturn of Roe and the Dobbs decision that came down, the bad news is that we've lost many ballot initiatives similar to this, which then there are these constitutional amendments in, in different states like Michigan or California um, that really take that state way further than what Roe allowed. And Ohio, which has long been a life-protective and life-affirming state, really has so much uh, hanging in the balance here. So what I would say is that um, voting no next month is critical and that we should be praying and fasting and get all of your friends out to do this. So if this does not, uh, if we're not victorious, so if, if issue one passes, Ohio basically has erased the basic rights of parents um, to oversee important health decisions for their, their daughters. Ohio will allow painful late-term abortion up until birth and will jeopardize basic health and safety protections for, for girls um, and for all patients when it comes to, you know, the terrible procedure of abortion. But the bar will actually be lowered on health clinics, so on, on abortion clinics. So this is so critical. I just can't, I mean, really, this is so important that it's important for the country because we need a blueprint about how to win these ballot initiatives. But we're talking about protections that Ohio has enjoyed for many, many years that could be undone overnight, and Ohio would become one of the most pro-abortion states in the country. And so please pray fast and get your friends out to vote against issue one. And I would point folks to the uh, Catholic Conference of Ohio, who has put out a lot of information about just what Jeannie was saying, how that actually is written into the very vague language that uh, that that issue one was intentionally written that way for mm. just this purpose. Now, now, Jeannie, I'm I'm kind of of two minds of this next question I have for you, um, and that is about media coverage of the Ohio March for Life. Do you think that this will be widely covered by the media? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I just know from my own interviews that I, I'm I'm prepping for today widely, nice. <laughs> and and friendlies and unfriendlies. So like I can I know for sure we've got New York Times, Washington Post, Politico. All these folks are going to be live covering oh, wow. this tomorrow. So we have, like I said, we have the entire country watching. Now what might not be what you might see because we've we've seen unfriendly media outlets shut us out in Ohio. You might not see a lot of local coverage, but I can tell you this is on the national stage, and you are going to absolutely see national coverage of this. And I'm hoping that those national outlets that aren't, you know, often with us on these issues or don't really report fairly um, will in some ways smoke out the local media in Ohio. Because, And I don't mean, of course, Anna, sure. like you and your show, but some of the, some of the more traditional outlets um, – yeah. not the faith-based outlet. So yeah, yeah, we will have a lot of media. And so with that in mind then, Jeannie, how do you hope to to educate the country and and Ohioans specifically on issue one? Well, I think just telling the truth about what it's about and then going back to the really simple and basic truths about what what being pro-life is. You know, we are pro-love and... um, even <laughs> if people don't identify as being pro-life from the moment of conception, most people 
know that taking the life of a seven-pound baby that's just not yet been born, um, you know, right before the moment of birth is wrong. And when Ohioans of goodwill hear the truth of what this amendment would do, they're horrified by it. So I think just kind of bringing things into the light is our goal. And um, for all of our friends who, who know that every life is a gift and that we need to protect and defend life from the moment of conception and that abortion takes the life of one and wounds the life of another, that it's not good for women, we just need to do everything possible to educate, to vote, to get out there and, and to show public witness at the Ohio March for Life. And uh, you can find all of the information for the Ohio March for Life at sunrisemorningshow.com. Again, taking place in Columbus, starting with 9 a.m. Mass at St. Joseph's Cathedral with Bishop Fernandez. Rally starts at the state capitol at 11 a.m. And Jeannie, just really appreciate all of the work you do for the cause of life and uh, specifically for the cause of life here in Ohio. Please keep us in your prayers. And if listeners want to support the March for Life, how can they do so? Uh, We'd be most grateful. We're growing our state march initiative rapidly. And um, the only thing that will keep us from doing that is not having uh, that financial support. So check us out at marchforlife.org, marchforlifeaction.org. Another thing that you can do is text Ohio March, so O-H-M-A-R-C-H, that word, to the number 73075. So let me say that one more time. Text to the number 73075, the word O-H-M-A-R-C-H, and in that way you'll stay up to date on opportunities like the ones we're going to have to let our elected officials in Ohio and nationally know where we stand on this issue on issue one. Awesome. Thank you so much, Jeannie Mancini. You can find that linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. And a note to our Ohio listeners, well, to our whole national audience, if you want to learn more about this, my sister Maggie very much on top of things, sending me a link to the Ohio Attorney General's webpage, and he just put out a document not telling people which way to vote, just what this issue is going to do, what ramifications it will have in Ohio, what laws will be invalidated. And if you go to ohioattorneygeneral.gov, there is a banner at the top of the page that says ballot initiatives, and uh, you can read a 13-page document about issue one. 17 past now on the Sunrise Morning Show. We're back with the headlines right after this. Central Fabricators is proud to support the Sunrise Morning Show, where you'll get news from the Catholic perspective while keeping you up to date on what's happening in the Vatican as well. It's also a great way to keep in touch with the Catholic faith throughout the week. Central Fabricators, based in Cincinnati, Ohio, is a family-owned business for over 75 years, manufacturing and repairing corrosion-resistant storage tanks, reactors, and pressure vessels. On the web at centralfabricators.com. That's centralfabricators.com. Support for the Sunrise Morning Show is from Visiting Angels. Visiting Angels provides experienced, compassionate care to millions of aging adults nationwide by keeping them safe and healthy in the comfort of their own home. Whether it's a short break for caregivers or for long-term assistance, Visiting Angels provides hygiene, meals, light housework, companionship, and more. And services are available up to 24 hours per day. Visiting Angels, online at visitingangels.com. That's visitingangels.com. Franchise opportunities available. Waking up with Mystic Monk Coffee is definitely a better way to start your day. 
Not only are you getting a great cup of coffee, but your purchase helps support the life of the Carmelite monks of Wyoming. And your purchase can also help our work. All you need to do is go first to sonricemorningshow.com. When you click the Mystic Monk link on the side of the page, we earn a commission. Support the monks and support the Sunrise Morning Show. Click the Mystic Monk link at sunrisemorningshow.com. That's sonricemorningshow.com. The EWTN on-demand platform features 50 new podcasts every week, as well as an ever-expanding library of audio and video content. For Catholics who want to learn more about their faith, simply using their mobile device, computer, or TV. Your favorite EWTN programs are available 24-7. Visit EWTN.com and click On Demand. EWTN is the Global Catholic Network. 19 minutes past the hour, here's Anna Mitchell with headlines. The United Auto Workers president will be making an announcement on a possible expansion of the UAW strike this afternoon. The work at the Synod on Synodality continues with initial reflections among the delegates in their 35 working groups. And as we were just talking about, the Ohio March for Life taking place later this morning. There's still time. If you're like in the Cincinnati area, for instance, to make the to drive get there, yeah, absolutely. To make the drive. Well, either way, there are a lot of people who've got to make a drive right now or in the process of a drive to their workplace. Mm-hmm. So please do include that in your prayers this morning. Heading into the weekend, I don't, I haven't given one of these in a while. Pep talks, right? So we <laughs> talked last hour. Treat your Sunday like an actual Sunday. Mm-hmm. It's a good pep talk. Don't forget that tomorrow is probably the day of the week where your parish is most likely to offer confession times. Work that in. And for the gentleman listening, dress slightly nicer than you would normally. It's 21 past. Sacred Heart Radio is your local Catholic station and your source for news from the Catholic perspective. SacredHeartRadio.com is where you can find and share information on issues facing Ohio in November that are so important to the pro-life community. And that's not to mention our commitment to prayer. At SacredHeartRadio.com, you'll find resources and events to help you pray for a culture of life. So please visit SacredHeartRadio.com, your local source for pro-life information and prayer. Married couples, this fall we invite you to set aside time to grow in holiness. Join us for a weekend marriage retreat to pray, receive the sacraments, and grow in relationship with your spouse through intentional time spent together. Special guests Ryan and Mary Rose Verrett will guide you to more clearly see, embrace, and live out Christ's plan for your marriage. Held at Catholic Family Land near Steubenville, Ohio, October 20th through the 22nd. Register at afc.org. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Delhi and Harrison Pet Centers with everything your pet needs from guppies to puppies. Offering curbside pickup in-store and online shopping at DelhiPetCenter.com. That's DelhiPetCenter.com. Support is from Solidarity HealthShare. Is inflation making you feel frustrated and out of control when it comes to your expenses? We have a solution. It's Solidarity HealthShare. With Solidarity HealthShare, you control what doctors you go to and how much you spend with pricing options that start as low as $384 for families. Take control of your health care and your budget with Solidarity HealthShare. 855-954-5688. Solidarity HealthShare. 855-954-5688. Hi, I'm Mara Kegney-Tipton with the Kegney Family and Cowell Banker Real Estate. Proud to support Sacred Heart Radio. My father, Guy, brother, Patrick, and I are here to help your family find 
the perfect home. If you have any real estate questions, 513-720-1411. It's 23 minutes past the hour. You're listening to the Sunrise Morning Show on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Happy to have you along with us on a Friday morning. Happy Friday, everybody. Dr. Samuel Shepard is joining us now on the Sunrise Morning Show. He's a professor of biology at Ave Maria University and one of the instructors in Ave Maria's free course series, The Pursuit of Wisdom, which you can check out online at thepursuitofwisdom.org. Dr. Shepard, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Good morning. So your course is entitled Stewarding the Environment. Timely to talk to you uh, just a few days after the Pope's latest apostolic exhortation. But what, what do you cover under this topic in your course? Yeah, thank you. Well, I start just kind of intuitively by trying to reconnect people with, with creation, with God's first book. So John Paul II said that contact with nature, with its beauty and its peace, restores us. So I just encourage people to go outside and stop for a moment and re-look at the beauty of what he's made. We do that quite a lot with our students here at the university. How do you and do that on a on... computer? Just curious. <laughs> on a computer? <laughs> Through the course, that is. <laughs> Through the course, yeah. So it's, I guess talking of exhortations, this is more like it begins with me exhorting people to get out there and stop and look. That's yeah. awesome. That's awesome. Sorry, yeah. go ahead. Yeah, no, okay. And then I just go on and I talk a little bit about basic ecological theories. I try and give people some ecological vocabulary, really, because I think that really helps them to penetrate a bit further into nature, just in the same way that if you learn a bit about more about art or about music, you can derive more aesthetic appreciation from it. And in the end, I just introduce the idea that while we're part of creation, we have a right to use the goods of nature that comes with the responsibilities to be good caretakers of our common homes. I kind of encourage people to think a little bit about how they can integrate that into their lives. That's great. So what would you say is the importance of the term stewardship when we start thinking about environmental issues? And I put that in kind of square scare quotes because it gets so politically charged so quickly in this day and age, but we as Catholics need to think on a higher level than that, don't we? I think we absolutely do, yeah. Well, for a long time, I've been thinking it's incredibly important that the Catholic Church, or Catholics in general, need to kind of repossess care of the world from secular environmentalism, because I'm very confident that we really have, because we have a better understanding of what it is to be human, and the fact that the world isn't just something completely material, but it's made by God, we're made in the image and likeness of God, we actually have the real language and the real capacity to be the best stewards, I think. And I think we need to take confidence in that and gently start reaching across these political divides and saying, look, we're here, we can do this, we know why we should do it, and we have something really really positive and, and informative to contribute to the discussion. And so is that why you start with your exhortation to just go out and enjoy the beauty of creation? Is that where we need to start here? I think so, but it comes back to starting everything with prayer in a way, and I think we can, it sounds a bit hippie-ish to say, so maybe we, we can definitely meet the creator through his creation and, and start to understand nature in terms of something that he's made that's an expression of the wonder and glory and imagination of God. So we start with a prayer, as always, and move from there. And so take us through this process, then, of, of gently bringing people around on this idea of stewardship. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
Well, if we, I tell you what, one of the things we do in the environmental science class here is the students are obliged as one of their assignments to go outside and they have to spend 15 minutes outside without their phone, without their mobile phone, I would say nice. that's the starting point. And then they have to afterwards write a little reflection. It's always wonderful what they say. They're amazed. They say, I put my phone down and suddenly I could hear the birds and I could smell the flowers and I could see little bugs running around. And wow. I think that really steals people and that, that's kind of starting point. But yeah, to bring people around with regard to stewardship, I think it's just to gently make people conscious that although the world is bountiful and beautiful, it is finite. And we have been given this incredible freedom to love and part of that freedom to love is the freedom to deal um, sustainably and gently with creation, recognize that, it, that it's finite. Well, and of course, the Lord gave man dominion to till and keep the garden, to have stewardship over creation. Can you talk about how nature is connected, how we as, as humans made in the image and after the likeness of God are connected to nature? Yeah, um, I think that's a really good question, yeah. I always try and explain it in terms of the fact that we are absolutely an intrinsic part of, of creation. We, we evolve right up through the middle of it, and we're actually related to certain other primate species. We're part of the food web, and I think our most profound connection with nature is when we recognize that. But at the same time, we are set apart, both by intellect and by will, by the fact that we have free choice, and also by the fact that we are indeed children of God made in his image and likeness. So I think we have to try and think a little bit about our location in this world, the fact that we're both part of it and somewhat set apart with this, this extraordinary and actually very explicit responsibility to care for and to nurture creation. And I, I think even more than that, we actually have a role in, in salvation and that we're kind of drawing the whole of creation with us towards God. Yeah. So it's, it's an extraordinary um, vocation. Yeah, the... St. Paul talks about creation groaning as in labor pains, waiting for that that fullness of um, going back to that fullness in which God uh, created all of creation to to be in service and in praise of him. Um, We've been talking to Dr. Samuel Shepard. He's a professor of biology at Ave Maria University, and you can take his course. It's free on stewarding the environment at the pursuit the pursuit of wisdom.org is where you can check it out and sign up dr shepherd really appreciate your time this morning thank you yeah thank you very much you bet and of course you can find that linked at sunrise morningshow.com that's s-o-n rise morningshow.com where you can find all of our guests linked and also where you can find our podcast and now the video live stream see what matt's wearing today half past the hour now on the sunrise morning show it's time for news a russian strike on a ukrainian village has left at least 48 people dead that according to ukrainian authorities president vladimir Zelensky said on telegram a missile hit a grocery store in the Kharkiv region, and he called it a, quote, demonstrably brutal Russian crime. It is one of the deadliest civilian attacks in the year and a half of war between Russia and Ukraine. United Auto Workers President Sean Fain is expected to address union members again this afternoon on the status of contract negotiations with Detroit's big three automakers. 
Mark Mayfield has the story. He has announced walkouts over the past couple of weeks, and that may include more locations on Friday. There reportedly has been progress made in talks with Stellantis and Ford Motor Company, with Ford reportedly making a significant offer. It includes a large pay raise and the end of tiers for employees. General Motors has secured a $6 billion credit line as the talks continue. I'm Mark Mayfield. A number of diverse individuals gathered at the Vatican yesterday to reflect on the Pope's latest apostolic exhortation, Laudate Deum. From Vatican Radio, Joseph Tollick reports. A Nobel Peace Prize winning physicist, an internationally famous chef, an American novelist and a German climate change activist gathered in the Vatican Gardens to share their perspectives on Pope Francis's newly released apostolic exhortation, Laudate Deum. In the exhortation, Pope Francis warns that climate change has pushed us to the breaking point. He also criticizes climate change deniers, saying that the human origin of global warming is now beyond doubt, and describes how care for our common home flows from the Christian faith. In total, nine speakers were present at press conference in the Vatican. The first was physicist Giorgio Leonardo Renato Parisi, who won the Nobel Prize for Physics in 2021. He praised the scientific rigor of the Pope's document, adding that, unlike many scientific texts, it is written in clear and accessible language in order to reach as many people as possible. Another speaker was the U.S. writer and novelist Jonathan Safran Foer. He praised the Pope for challenging climate change deniers before stressing that acknowledging climate change but failing to act is, too, a type of denial. And when the future distinguishes between these two kinds of denial, which will appear to be a grave error and which a sin. We heard, too, from Louisa Marie Neubauer, the head of Fridays for the Future in Germany. She thanked Pope Francis for his witness and encouraged him and all those listening to continue with the church's ecological conversion, noting that full divestment from fossil fuels would represent a major step in that direction. One of the last speakers at the event was Benoit Algon, co-founder of the French Catholic youth organization Struggle and Contemplation. He stressed the necessity of personal conversion in the fight against climate change, saying that the danger is not only outside us but inside as well, and underlining the importance of the spiritual struggle against the desire to dominate and possess God's creation. I'm Joseph Tullock. The work at the Synod on Synodality continues today. A Vatican press conference was held yesterday with Paolo Ruffini, the prefect of the Dicastery for Communication. There are more than 400 delegates, and Ruffini said the 35 working groups began the Synod with some reflection. The main question they were asked to reflect on was, quote, starting from the journey of the local churches to which we each belong and from the contents of the Instrumentum Laboris, which distinctive signs of a synodal church emerge with greater clarity and which deserve greater recognition or should be particularly highlighted or deepened, end quote. The Ohio March for Life takes place today. Columbus Bishop Earl Fernandez is celebrating Mass at 9 a.m. Eastern Time at St. Joseph's Cathedral in Columbus and then will join March for Life President Jeannie Mancini, J.D. Vance, and others at the rally at the state capitol. This happening just about a month ahead of the November 7th election, in which, uh, which in Ohio will include a vote on a proposed amendment to enshrine abortion in the Ohio Constitution. The bishops of Ohio have urged all Ohioans to vote no on issue one. The U.S. is resuming direct deportation flights of Venezuelan migrants next week. Trey Thomas reports. On Thursday, a Biden administration official announced any Venezuelans who illegally cross the border and do not establish a legal basis to remain will be flown back to their home country. Last month, the Biden administration offered a temporary protected status and work authorization to anyone from Venezuela who's lived in the U.S. before August. I'm Trey Thomas. 
That's the news. You're listening to the Sunrise Morning Show on EWTN. It's 35 past the hour. The show notes is where you'll get the links and resources you heard about on the Sunrise Morning Show and Driving Home the Faith and for the podcast to find and replay an interview. To check out the show notes every day, visit the new sacredheartradio.com. This is Chris Knockelman, owner of Schneller Knockelman Plumbing, Heating, and Air. Our family has been a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio for more than a decade, and we encourage other businesses to do the same. Find us at skpha.com, skpha.com. I'm Bill Torbeck of Tri-State Abrasive and Tool Company, proud to support Sacred Heart Radio. We strive to provide the highest quality diamond and CBN products manufactured by privately owned companies, enabling us to provide prompt and personal service and you to avoid the unnecessary cost and frustrations of dealing with bureaucracies. Find us online at theabrasiveone.com. That's the number one. Theabrasiveone.com. Theabrasiveone.com. It's 24 minutes before the hour on this Feast of St. Bruno, Friday, October the 6th. Your forecast is brought to you on Sacred Heart Catholic Radio by Schneller Knockman Plumbing, Heating, and Air online at skpha.com. Getting cooler today. Right now, temperatures in the lower 60s as you're heading out the door. For Cincinnati, clouds early, then clearing, and a high of 72 today. Mostly cloudy with some isolated sprinkles tonight and an overnight low of 45. Partly to mostly cloudy with a slight chance for a shower tomorrow and a high of 58 degrees. For the Miami Valley-Dayton area, decreasing clouds today and a high of 72. Slight shower chance early this evening. Otherwise, partly cloudy tonight with an overnight low of 43. Mix of clouds and sun and a slight chance for a shower tomorrow with a high of 56 degrees. This is Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. The Sunrise Morning Show continues on this Friday, the 6th of October. Always great to uh, wind up the week with you all. Thank you for listening across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. <clears throat> Pardon me. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Bobby Schindler from the Terry Schiavo Life and Hope Network. You can find them online at lifeandhope.com. Bobby, good morning. Good morning, Matt. So uh, you report on a lot of cases here in the United States, a few of them in Belgium uh, and elsewhere, but there are a lot of cases that come through the UK, and there's one you wanted to highlight today. Uh, tell us about it. Yeah, I think we really need to, to see or talk about this case, Matt, because I, I've really never um, come across a case where the court and the doctors went as far as they did. Uh, first, to, uh, to well, let, let me just get to the case. So, this this involved a 19 year old girl. Um, she went by the name of ST, and the reason, so the reason you didn't hear a lot about this case, Matt, and I was kind of wondering uh, why, is because the court, the, the, the hospital uh, asked the court to put a gag order on the case, I mean a complete gag order, and the court uh, granted that. So the, the parents, they weren't able to talk about this case. Uh, so it involved a 19-year-old girl. She, was, um, she, had, a, she had what they call... Uh, mitochondrial depletion syndrome, which basically uh, does not allow the body to produce the energy it needs to function. Um, so she was on a feeding tube, a ventilator. She didn't need dialysis. Uh, it is 
uh, most likely a life-ending type of disease. However, there was uh, experimental treatment in Canada, uh, Canada of all places, <laughs> uh, that was willing to, to, to take her, to, to treat her, to see if they can help her with this disease, but the court and the hospital refused. They stepped in. Now, now Matt, th- th- she was completely conscious. She was able to make decisions, although... Yeah, so uh, this is the part that I wanted to ask you about because I'm reading through the documents you sent me, and they are, like, interviewing this girl. Right. So so the court came – so the doctors said that she was incapable of making decisions about her future medical care because she is under delusion that her death is not intimate. And the, um, and the, uh, the court agreed. However, she said uh, that her – she understood – that this treatment might, might not extend, extend her life, but it was her wish to try to, to live. Uh, she wanted to die trying to live, and she wanted to do everything she could to get the help that she wanted. And she was being told no. Matt, this, this, is, this is, I mean, it amounts to medical bullying, quite frankly. Uh, certainly, she had every right to, to pursue treatment and should have been granted treatment if she wanted that. The parents... Could not they, they cannot publicly pray for this girl uh, because of the gag order. They cannot raise money to to help fund her for the, the trip to, to Canada to see these doctors, although the court wasn't allowing it anyway, uh, because of this gag order. The only reason we knew about her, and her name was Sudiksha Thulamesh. Uh, I'm, I'm probably mispronouncing her name. But we only learned the identity of this woman because she died a, a couple weeks ago. Uh, because of this lack of treatment that that she was not receiving or providing, the hospital was not, the doctors were not providing for her. Matt, what was remarkable about this? There was two psychiatrists that evaluated her and said that she was capable of making decisions about her future care. Now, this is contrary to what the judge said. The judge, despite the psychiatrist, said um, that she, the judge, did not believe she had the capacity to make decisions for herself, and therefore ruled. Uh, agree with the hospital that was in her best interest to stop treatment uh, and start palliative care. And it's just a, it's just a horrifying, heartbreaking case, Matt. And I read this information, and I just I can't believe the lengths that this these doctors went to, and, and the court agreed to stop this young woman from getting the care that she wanted, uh, and the parents were trying to, to provide for her. It's just it's just horrifying. Well. There are so many different things swirling around in here. One is this sort of like gaslighting situation where a person is literally talking and getting psychologically evaluated because they are conscious enough for that to take place. They're 19 years old, so they're a legal adult, right? And they're sitting here trying to say, hey, I know I might not live, but I'd like to try this experimental thing. And they're saying, oh, you're not capable to... Of, of saying whether or not you're okay, you're under the delusion your life is going to be saved, and she's like, no, I'm not under any delusions, I just want to try. Like, this, this massive just seems like a gaslighting thing going through the whole the whole story. Well, I, I think we're seeing, and, and we're seeing this in, in, in the U.S. too, we saw it with COVID and, and in treatment. It's really just a, uh, another form, another example of paternalism, and where the doctors are stepping in and saying, you know, we, we know what's in your best interest, so we're going we're gonna to decide treatment decisions for you because we know better. Uh, so, you, you know, Matt, this, this was a way of dehumanizing this young girl because they did not want they, – they understood the gravity of the situation, and they knew 
if if the parents took videos, if the if this if this woman went to the uh, to the news, and and publicized what was happening, they knew. I think the response they're going to get from the public. So they did what they could to to ba- basically make sure that the, they could not uh, at all provide uh, videos or any any type of publicity to see that their school was conscious and, and needed help. Uh, you know, it's reminiscent of my sister's case and how the court came in and put a, a uh, they, they told my parents and our family that we could not take videos of Terry. Uh, and, and they did this for one reason. They didn't want people to see that she was a human being, uh, and it's a way of dehumanizing them. And, and it's, you know, you're fighting, you're fighting words. You don't see the person. So uh, it, it's, just, it's just tragic, and, and, you know, my heart breaks for these parents because now they're, they have to, um, you know, suffer the consequences of, of, of this experience and, and the help they're trying to get for their daughter. Well, I don't want to plant unnecessary fears uh, because you've said this, uh, and you, you often say this the other way around, too, right, you, that, you know, the doctors believe they know what's in the patient's best interest in terms of treatment. Well, Bobby, the vast majority of the time, that's true, <laughs> right? I mean, almost right. everywhere we go in every kind of situation that we're trying to seek help uh, with, doctors are usually acting very much in our best interest and uh, addressing situations where we don't know. Uh, you and I are not you know, medical experts on every single thing. I got a weird thing on my toe. I don't know where to start on that question, Bobby. You know, I got to seek a medical professional to be like, okay, so here's what this is and here's how you fix it. But when it comes to situations like this, where you should be able to have options of what kind of care are available, if those kinds of care are feasible, uh, right, then you should be allowed as a patient, as a consumer, to be able to select those options. Well, you're exactly right, Matt. I mean, the doctors we, doctors are taught to preserve life, and, and we're seeing more and more where if the decision is that they want to try and get the best care possible, uh, it, you know, they're getting this terrible pushback. And, and the only time they granted what they want is when is when they want <laughs> is, is when they choose death. And we're seeing more and more of that with the expansion of assisted suicide. It was this girl with all her medical issues and the extraordinary care that she received, and she made the decision that she has. She wanted to stop and, and, and go into palliative care. That was her, that was her right to make that choice too, and it would have been, I think, appropriate. However, she also had the right to also decide that she wanted treatment. And the fact that she did want treatment, and, and they found that she was competent to make these decisions, she should have been granted that opportunity to get the treatment that she wanted and, and try try to, to to seek that help in Canada. And the fact that these doctors stepped in and the court stepped in and said, no, no, no. We know what's best for you, and what's best for you is death. So we're going to just ignore your request and, and the help that that you want, and we're going to we're going to make the decision for you. It's just it's just terrible what we're seeing more and more of, and that's what that's the problem, Matt. And that's that's why I think we need to talk about these things because we're seeing more and more of it today in our healthcare, and and uh, we we got to start doing things to protect ourselves as best we can so we can fight against these types of things if, if in case they do uh, they do you know, happen to, to someone and to our family members or to ourselves at, at some point in our lives. Well, and we see it all the time, uh, Bobby, where someone is unconscious or in a coma and their family has to say these things on their behalf. But here you've got a situation where a person is able to speak on their own behalf, able to become, undergo psychological evaluations and all this. And that's, I think, what makes this story uh, stand out all the more. We've got lifeandhope.com linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Thanks so much, Bobby. Have a wonderful day. Thank you, Matt. God bless you. All right. We preview the Sunday Mass readings with Father Jonathan Duncan next. It's 14 till. Pro-life across-
need your help. Hello, I'm Marianne Kowarski, Director of Pro-Life Across America. In my 30-plus years, I've never seen such a concerted attempt to silence our efforts and at a time when it's most needed. There's a powerful effort to prevent and block our pro-life messages. Our billboards, social media, and digital ads are all impacted. Unplanned pregnancies still happen. Our ads feature a hotline number connecting callers with more than 3,000 pregnancy support centers across America, offering alternatives to abortion, free ultrasound, and pregnancy help. Babies' lives are being saved. The need still exists. It really does. And Pro-Life Across America needs your help. To donate, please find us at ProLifeAcrossAmerica.org. Did you know I could suck my thumb before I was born? Yep, we all started small. Mystic Monk Coffee has brought back their pumpkin spice blend, and unlike the competition, buying their coffee has the added bonus of supporting the Carmelite Monks of Wyoming and the Sunrise Morning Show. Go to sunrisemorningshow.com and click the Mystic Monk link to get that or any of their other coffee blends or teas. When you check out, we earn a commission. And there's no better vessel for your Mystic Monk pumpkin spice latte than a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug. Find those in our online store. Do pumpkin spice the Catholic way. Just head on over to sonrisemorningshow.com. This month's devotion is to the Holy Rosary. St. John Paul II called the Rosary his favorite prayer, in which we meditate with Mary upon the mysteries which she, as a mother, meditated on in her heart. The Rosary is one of the most cherished prayers of our Catholic faith. Join in this devotion to Mary and strengthen our connection to Our Lady with rosary beads, bracelets, boxes, pouches, and rings. Available at EWTNRC.com. Hi, this is Cy Kellett. Weird questions later today on Catholic Answers Live with who else? Jimmy Aiken. Catholic Answers Live, 6 p.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio. Now, back to the Sunrise Morning Show. 11 till, here's Anna with headlines. A Russian strike on a Ukrainian village has left at least 51 people dead. The Ohio March for Life is taking place later today in Columbus. The rally begins at 11 a.m. for anyone within driving distance. And the work at the Synod on Synodality continues today and tomorrow. They'll get a day off on Sunday. Well, good. I intend to take a day off on Sunday, too. I know, right? So, uh, speaking of Sunday... We're joined now by Father Jonathan Duncan. He is from the Diocese of Charleston, where he's got lots of experience in hospital ministry, uh, campus ministry, and the like. Uh, He comes from some Pentecostal and Anglican uh, scenarios before he became a Catholic and a Catholic priest. Father Duncan, good morning. Good morning. And I just have to start by saying, contra to, to Matt and Anna, I'm not certain that there's a Catholic way to enjoy pumpkin spice miscellany, because I do think it's probably intrinsically disordered. So I'll just kind of kind of like leave that there and just drop that there and then move on, pivot to the Sunday reading. Well, just so you know, I was only reading what the piece of paper said on that promo. Personally, I am a, I, I don't think of this as pumpkin spice season. I think of this as apple season. So that's... Uh, it, is, it is apple season. If the I want to take a formal is, stance... The other stuff is, I think, if if not intrinsically evil, at least intrinsically disordered. But, disordered. But here we are. Here we are indeed. And, you know, I mentioned that you came from 
some uh, other Christian backgrounds before you ended up in the Catholic Church. And in my backgrounds, uh, you know, in the Wesleyan holiness tradition, if I was going to hear a sermon, very often the sermon was not going to be from the Gospels. It was going to be from the letters of St. Paul. I heard Paul preached on all the time, whereas often in homilies, I'll hear like a really great reading from Paul in the second reading, and it doesn't even get mentioned in the homily. However, um, there's some powerful stuff from St. Paul that is so relevant to the way that we sort of deal with one another and deal with news in uh, 2023. I wonder, are you going to touch on Paul at all, or are you going to stay on the vineyard imagery in the first reading, the psalm, and the gospel? You know, I think so much of, so, so many, I should say, of our, of our parishes um, struggle with what Paul talks about. So in, in his epistle, we're going to hear about have no anxiety about anything. And then Paul's going to describe sort of what the Christian life ought to look like. Now, it, we should be clear, when we talk about um, anxiety here, you know, we're not describing like a momentary concern or a momentary fear, but that kind of abiding sense of dread, that abiding sense of fear, that that abiding sense of my life is not for me. Now, of course, many of our people um, are struggling with an anxiety that may be brought on by um, real kind of mental health struggles. Uh, sometimes it could be uh, brought on neurologically, chemical issues in our own body. So, and, and there is a place for mental health professionals, absolutely in dealing with anxiety. But I love Paul's, uh, Paul's advocacy here, which is have no anxiety about anything. I'll just I'll for you uh, a little excerpt here. Have no anxiety at all, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, make your request known to God, that the peace of God that surpasses understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So I think, first of all, like, what is the answer to our anxiety? It's approaching God with prayer and thanksgiving, so that as we are praying for things, we are giving thanks not just for what we've received in the past, though we certainly want to do that, but we're also giving thanks for however God is going to resolve the thing that we're praying for, knowing that he is going to answer our prayers, uh, he is going to resolve it in some way. Will it be the way that we necessarily most want or think is best? Maybe, maybe not. But approaching him immediately with an attitude of thanksgiving, approaching our life with an attitude of thanksgiving, approaching our day with thanksgiving and with wonder, that is a, that's, that's one way forward out of some of this anxiety. And then notice what he says. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just and pure and lovely and gracious, think on these things. In other words, control what you allow your mind to consume. We know, of course, that when our bodies consume things uh, that aren't good, it can have really negative effects on our bodies. And in the same way, Paul is clear, your mind, your soul can be affected when you consume things, when you think on things, when you dwell on things um, that are not good, true, just, pure, lovely, gracious. Yeah. And so well, I that, think that can particularly be, yeah, that can particularly be confusing when it comes to, 
you know, thinking about church stuff, right? Because there are, well, in the sports world, there are people who say they're really into sports when really what they're into is player transactions and salary cap numbers and movements and trades and whether somebody's going to get their contract extended and what the betting line is on, you know, how many receptions somebody's going to have this weekend. And that to me is like, I don't know that you're actually into sports, man. <laughs> I think you're into something, this other thing. And sometimes we can be in that trap where we're like, uh, you know, we're serious about our faith, which really means we're serious about following the movements of various curial offices and which bishop is doing what and what scandal is in the news and that sort of thing. And I don't think that's being serious about your faith. It's paying a lot of attention to some of the problems, but I don't know that that's what makes us better Christians. I mean, we got to have our eyes open, uh, but I don't. I think that the devil wants us to 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 think that following all these little goings on in church bureaucracy is the same as being serious about our faith, and it's not a one to one ratio. No, absolutely. I was telling a group of Catholics just last weekend. I said, you know, one of the best things you can do for your spiritual life, there there are certainly people who have the vocation where they need to be public witnesses, public teachers. I'm thinking of bishops. Um, and they have a vocation to be a public voice, public witness, contending for the faith, sometimes with their fellow bishops, as, as we've had to do in the history of the Church. But most of us, our vocation is not to, to go through the Internet and try to be the public voice on Twitter of orthodoxy most of us our vocation is very simple pray love god love your neighbor um you know teach in your um rcia or your um um your catechism your religious education class serve the poor grow in humility and in virtue that's what you're called to do that's enough Not to keep me busy. Absolutely. <laughs> that's enough to keep a lifetime busy. And that will help shape you. Following the inside baseball of this other stuff, it is going to make you anxious. It's going to make you worried. It's going to rob All that you stuff Paul the- warns against in the reading. Yeah. Well, thanks so much, Father Duncan. We'll talk to you Monday. May God bless you and keep you and grant you his peace. Father Rob Jack. Join me this afternoon for Driving Home the Faith when Corinne Lamarca will talk about State Issue 2, which would legalize marijuana. Dr. Raymond Abier will talk about the upcoming event on religious freedom. I'll speak about the gospel for the 27th Sunday of the year with frequent traffic and weather. That's this afternoon beginning at 4 on Sacred Heart Radio. You're on the road to Christ the King. Being prepared is everything, right? Does your family know your wishes for your final resting place? Gate of Heaven Cemetery, Archdiocese of Cincinnati's pre-planning family services advisors will assist you and your family with your advanced planning by helping you make decisions calmly and with a clear mind. Attend an upcoming pre-planning seminar at Gate of Heaven Cemetery so you can rest with peace of mind. 513-489-0300. 513-489-0300. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Twin Dental of Cincinnati. Since 1986, twin brothers Drs. David and Michael Rothen have been providing superior dental care in a relaxed and comfortable setting for the entire family. The Twin Dental Doctors utilize advanced dentistry techniques from sedation to implants and the latest in cosmetic options to preserve and beautify smiles. Twin Dental, located just off the I-275 exit at Hamilton Avenue. For a complimentary evaluation, 513-825-6111 and online at twindental.com. 
You rely on your car, so rely on the experts at Fort Mitchell Garage, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio. They can do it all from brakes, tires, and heating and cooling to towing and collision repair and more. Fort Mitchell Garage on Dixie Highway and Park Hills. On the web at fortmitchellgarage.com. Offering Catholic retreats based on Ignatian spirituality, the Jesuit Spiritual Center is offering weekend retreats this fall led by various retreat masters, including Father Michael Graham. Join us this October for a weekend of silence as you experience the great treasures of the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola. Register now at JesuitSpiritualCenter.com. JesuitSpiritualCenter.com. That's JesuitSpiritualCenter.com. The Comboni Missionaries present Taste of Mission Family Event, Saturday, October 7th. Enjoy international food booths, a beer and wine garden, and shopping from around the world at the Mission Market. Fantastic music, a special area for the kids, and new this year, a petting zoo. Admission is free. The Taste of Mission, Saturday, October 7th, from 4 to 8 p.m. at the Comboni Mission Center on Nagel Road in Anderson. More information at combonimissionaries.org backslash T-O-M. I'm Father Chet Artashevitz of the Glen Mary Home Missioners, and thank you so much for listening to Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. 740 WNOP Newport, 910 WPFB Middletown, or get the app, stream, podcast, and more at sacredheartradio.com. Arise, it's a new continue on this Friday, the 6th of October, by praying together the Canticle of Zechariah in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel. He has come to his people and set them free. He has raised up for us a mighty Savior, born of the house of his servant David. Through his holy prophets, he promised of old that he would save us from our enemies, from the hands of all who hate us. He promised to show mercy to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. This was the oath he swore to our father Abraham, to set us free from the hands of our enemies, free to worship him without fear, holy and righteous in his sight all the days of our life. You, my child, should be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his way, to give his people knowledge of salvation by the forgiveness of their sins. And the tender compassion of our God, the dawn from on high, shall break upon us, to shine on those who dwell in darkness and the shadow of death, and to guide our feet into the way of peace. Amen. It is a better way to start a Friday morning, the Sunrise Morning Show. Thanks to all of you who've been with us all morning. Some of you have been even in on our uh, our YouTube video stream. This is our first full week of that. It's uh, it's it's coming along. It's a it's an adjustment. I have to. Uh, you know, I have to pay attention to how I look, how I'm sitting in my chair, you know, my posture and things now that I'm on camera. Up this hour, Anna Mitchell's got news. Paul Lockman has sports. Father John Gavin will continue our series through the catechism, looking at the contributions of the church fathers that make it into the catechism of the Catholic Church. We'll look ahead to the Sunday Mass readings with Father Hezekiah's Carnazzo. Dr. Dan Keepler will join us from the Purposeful Lab podcast. Also, Steve Bowman, who's got a new documentary called What is Love? Connected with Fathom Events. So please do stay with us if you can. Right now, it's two minutes past the hour. News a service of Bridgetown Finer Meats and BridgetownFinerMeats.com. Here's Anna Mitchell. 
Good morning. The Ohio March for Life is taking place a little later today. Columbus Bishop Earl Fernandez will celebrate Mass at 9 a.m. at St. Joseph's Cathedral and then will join March for Life President Jeannie Mancini, Senator J.D. Vance and others at the rally at the state capitol, which begins at 11 a.m., the march itself taking place at noon. This happening just about a month ahead of the November 7th election, which in Ohio includes the vote on the proposed amendment to enshrine abortion in the Ohio Constitution. The bishops of Ohio have urged all Ohioans to vote no on issue one. Meanwhile, the Attorney General of Ohio has put out a document explaining the actual effects that passing Issue 1 and Issue 2, the marijuana issue, would have on state law in Ohio. Dave Yost wrote of Issue 1, quote, All told, the amendment's new standard goes beyond pre-Dobbs law under Roe and Casey. That means that many Ohio laws would probably be invalidated, even those that were allowed under Roe and or Casey and others might be at risk to varying degrees, end quote. He goes on in this document to provide a summary of many of those laws he thinks could be struck down if issue one were to pass. In other news, a Russian strike on a Ukrainian village has left at least 51 people dead. Mark Mayfield reports. That's according to Ukrainian authorities. President Zelensky said on Telegram a missile hit a grocery store in the Kharkiv region, calling it a demonstrably brutal Russian crime. It's one of the deadliest civilian attacks in a year and a half of war. Zelensky wrote that anyone helping Russia supports evil. I'm Mark Mayfield. The work at the Synod on Synodality continues. A Vatican press conference was held yesterday with Paolo Ruffini, the prefect of the Dicastery for Communication. There are more than 400 delegates, and Ruffini said the 35 working groups started off with some reflection. Pope Francis, in his opening remarks this week, said the Synod's protagonist is the Holy Spirit, going on to say, quote, let the centrality of Christ therefore be the guiding thread of this Synod. Let him be the Alpha and Omega of our discussions. He said, I am praying so the Synod will succeed in achieving its his own goals. The U.S. is resuming direct deportation flights of Venezuelan migrants next week. Trey Thomas reports. On Thursday, a Biden administration official announced any Venezuelans who illegally cross the border and do not establish a legal basis to remain will be flown back to their home country. Last month, the Biden administration offered a temporary protected status and work authorization to anyone from Venezuela who's lived in the U.S. before August. I'm Trey Thomas. The United Auto Workers president will make an announcement on Facebook Live today at 2 p.m. Eastern Time. It'll be regarding a possible expansion of their strike against the big three automakers. Sean Fain has spoken the past two Fridays to announce new additions to the ongoing work stoppage. The UAW is expanding the stand-up strike by targeting a few assembly plants and more than 30 parts plants. The progress of the talks with each automaker are reflected in which plants are added to the strike every week. And Crocs and cowboy boots are coming together. The footwear company said yesterday that it has a new foam clog that resembles a cowboy boot complete with spurs. A press release said the buzz around a Crocs-inspired cowboy boot 
has been building for years, quote, creating a fan-fueled movement on social media. The cowboy boot Crocs will come out October 23rd and will sell for $120. I would like to know from Ryan Lopez, the donor engagement director of Sacred Heart Catholic Radio, who is known for wearing Crocs. Okay. If he is going to purchase or ask for these for Christmas or his birthday. I think Ryan Lopez would look better in normal cowboy boots than Crocs. Cowboy boot. I would I did not look up. I get made boot I get Crocs. I I get made fun of or I used to get made fun of for wearing sandals a lot. I I don't I don't wear them as much, you know, kind of actually bothered my feet. I got these slip-on shoes. Oh my gosh, but, these uh, look like I would never, and I and 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 Matt Swaim's made the the reference that I in my sandals I've worn Crocs. Okay, I've never I'm, in my life worn. I'm Crocs. not gonna lie, I like the cowboy boot. No, Crocs better, no, better than the regular Crocs. Oh yeah, like, fair enough. These fair enough. Regular Crocs, I don't understand. People what? tell me okay. they look they. All right, they're can very I tell you what my question is? Go right ahead. Why? Do they not have a kid's version of these? They have women's and men's Crocs, but not kids? Is that possible? What? Hold on. Hold no, on. No, there's Maybe they kids' do. Crocs. No, like no, 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 no. Cowboy no, boot wait. style? Hold on. Is that where you're going with? Yeah, they don't have the cowboy boot stuff. This is where they should be marketing no it no to way. the children no way. who love cowboy boots. No. Are you kidding me? But they you grow clearly, out of them quickly. You clearly don't have children. It's $120. Well, a kid's croc would be cheaper than that. No. I'm looking at kid's crocs right now, and they're the boots that they have yeah. are like 50 bucks. Okay. Which is still more than I'm willing to pay I, for a child's there, shoe. I agree. But yeah. Nonetheless. For a one-time occasion shoe. Hold on. Let me see. Though kids no, it, wear. Are you kidding me? Cowboy kids, boots would not be a one-time occasion shoe. Kids for wear children. cowboy boots too. They wear yeah, cowboy boots to church. They wear cowboy boots Ballet to. Ballet practice. Yes. Yes. Of school. Of course. I mean. I okay, regular Crocs are like. Yeah, I would definitely not pay. My shoes shopping right now with you? No, is that what we're doing? I'm looking at the website. (laughs) I mean, I'm not. I'm not a Crocs person myself. I I just a view of. I am no Ryan Lopez. I can't believe he hasn't texted me yet. I'm pretty sure like 50 percent of the Crocs I've seen are all like SpongeBob SquarePants. Oh, I know they're awful. So so awful. But they're really comfortable, from what I'm told. Yeah, I don't have any. Maybe some very nice listener is going to send. What Please, size no, is your shoe? No, now, Paul? I, I wear size fourteen. Fourteen. Yep. Don't. All right, folks. Don't bother. There you go. Save, save, save the money. Please, please. <laughs> we have like no sports to talk that's about. All right. which is why yeah. I want to? Yeah, that's fine. Go ahead. Sports on Sacred Heart Radio, brought to you by Dr. Robert Berger and Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine. Hope you took the Bears. The Chicago Bears upset the uh, Washington Commanders yesterday, forty to twenty. And if you had DJ Moore on your bench in fantasy football, not ideal. He scored like 49 points in most leagues. So three touchdowns, over 200 uh, yards receiving. Well done there uh, to the Bears. They picked up their first win. And Justin Fields, didn't he go to? Ohio State. He is tied 
for the NFL lead in uh, touchdown passes now. Nice. Wild, huh? Good job, Justin Fields. There you go. And uh, playoff no baseball comes back today. ALDS, NLDS action in place. Awesome. There you go. Good. Some some baseball to watch. I'm out of time. We talked all shoes. That's fine. Let's get to traffic. Hopefully there's not a whole lot to traffic to get to. Traffic a service of Larkin Cobb, Chevrolet, Buick, and GMC in Eaton, Ohio. On the web at LarkinCobb.com. What you got? There is not a lot of traffic to talk about. Southbound 75, a little slow through the Lachlan split. Northbound 75, I can't even believe I'm mentioning this. A bit heavy as you approach the Norwood lateral and also a little heavy on westbound 275 at the bottom of the loop. Heading through that construction around Turkey Foot toward the 7175 interchange. All right, now for weather. Listen to these temperatures. Today in Cincinnati, clouds early, then clearing with a high of 72. Mostly cloudy with some isolated sprinkles tonight and an overnight low of 45. Tomorrow, partly to mostly cloudy with a slight chance for a shower and a high of 58 degrees. That sounds more like October. For the Miami Valley-Dayton area, decreasing clouds today and a high of 72. A slight shower chance early tonight, but otherwise partly cloudy with an overnight low of 43. Mix of sun and clouds and a slight chance for a shower tomorrow and a high of 56 degrees. Today is Friday, October the 6th. It's 12 minutes past the hour now. Father John Gavin joining us now on the Sunrise Morning Show, author of Mysteries of the Lord's Prayer. Good morning, Father. Good morning. So we are heading to Catechism, paragraph 796 today as we continue looking at church fathers quoted in the Catechism. And we have a a quote from St. Augustine today. Now, to kind of set this up, last time we talked about Christ and his church and how they make up the whole Christ. You've got Christ as the head and the church as the body. So today we're kind of unpacking that a little further, I suppose. Is that how you would describe what we're we're going to be discussing today? Sure. So I, uh, we're going from the image of Christ as the head and the church as the body to another very important image that expresses this, that namely uh uh, Christ as the bridegroom and the church as the bride. So again, expressing this this intimate union, and yet at the same time, a distinction between Christ and each and every member. Yeah, and this is a rather lengthy paragraph in the Catechism. Mm. So we are going, I'm just going to read the St. Augustine quote and, and go sure. from there. So this is what St. Augustine writes. This is the whole Christ, head and body, one one formed from many whether the head or members speak it is christ who speaks he speaks in his role as the head and in his role as the body what does this mean the two will become one flesh this is a great mystery and i am applying it to christ and the church and the lord himself says in the gospel so they are no longer two but one flesh They are, in fact, two different persons, yet they are one in the conjugal union. As head, he calls himself the bridegroom. As body, he calls himself bride. Now, first of all, Father, where does does this quote from St. Augustine come from? So this quote comes from 
the Enorationes in Salmos, that is, it's a collection of sermons that Augustine gave on all 150 psalms, in some cases more than once on a particular psalm. And this comes from the a sermon on Psalm 74 or 75, depending which uh, num- uh, numbers you're following. And it's uh, on, it's right at the beginning of the sermon, where we hear in the psalm, uh, we praise you, O God, we praise you, we call on your name and recount your wondrous deeds. And so he's looking at the psalm and applying what you were just talking about earlier, this uh, all is Christ, totus Christus. And Augustine has this wonderful way of interpreting the Psalms using this principle, all is Christ, totus Christus, by saying that when we read the Psalms, uh, it is always Christ speaking. Mm. Uh, Either he is speaking in his own voice, or he is speaking uh, or giving us uh, the words to pray with. That is, he's speaking as a member. And so... At the same time, in interpreting a psalm, Augustine would say, using this marriage image, uh, Christ is both speaking as himself, as God, but also speaking as a member of of the Church. And Mm -hmm. so he says it's amazing. He he has this line right after what the quote you read. Christ is preaching himself. He is preaching even now in his existing members. So it kind of opens up a whole different way of reading the Psalms. I was going to ask, I mean, this is not uh, St. Augustine getting pronouns confused here. I I had to read the quote a couple of times because he talks about himself, the bride. And that sounds so foreign to us and yet so true when you look at it through the eyes of of St. Paul, who he whom he quotes in this here. Exactly. It's. So, again, we, when we take that image, of course, on the one hand, we look at it and we say, okay, Christ is the bridegroom, the Church as the bride, and made up of all the different members. But remembering, again, as Augustine shows here, that Christ as both God and man uh, is actually able to do both, right? He is both the bride, but also, as man, he is among the members, And so the union that we see affected here in this uh, bridegroom image actually comes together in Christ. All is Christ, totus Christus. So what does this mean for us, Father? Like, why is this important for us to understand? Well, I I think, first of all, again, uh, this is uh, another image that shows us that intimate union between Christ and the Church that Christ has won for us, right, in becoming man and, of course, dying for us and rising. So we're always conscious of this intimate union that we have with him as the Church. Uh, Another thing I would say also in the way uh, what we see here in, obviously, Paul and Augustine develops it, is the way that each and, and every marriage uh, bride and bridegroom, uh, and then family, is uh, preaching this intimate union between Christ and the Church. Uh, and I think it's something important for every uh, married couple and every family to think about, that they are, uh, by living out their faith together in that intimate union, 
demonstrating to the church, preaching to the church again and again, the reality of our hope, our life in this intimate union with Christ. That's such an important point, Father. I mean, something that that I'm not sure that that we think about so often is how much our marriage, those of us who are married, how much that Mm -hmm. speaks to the world, the nature of Christ, um, or, well, or maybe not the nature of Christ. And and, and I think that that's the important mm. thing to remember here is, is that we are we are sending out a message about Christ, whether we realize it or not. Absolutely. And, and I think in many ways when we look at, sadly, the kind of crisis in marriage in the world today, or people just not even getting married again, when that, uh, when that witness is lessened or lost, uh, it becomes a crisis in the very identity of the Church. People are not receiving that uh, that important message, but more than that, not seeing that witness and also not being formed in that witness. So it's just, uh, it's so important in the life of the Church. Amen to that. Thank you so much, Father John Gavin. You can find his book, Mysteries of the Lord's Prayer, linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. 19 past. We got traffic and weather coming up next. Stay with us. I'm Father Rob Jack. Join me this afternoon for Driving Home the Faith. And Corinne Lamarca will talk about State Issue 2, which would legalize marijuana. Dr. Raymond A. Beer will talk about the upcoming event on religious freedom. I'll speak about the gospel for the 27th Sunday of the year. For frequent traffic and weather, that's this afternoon beginning at 4 on Sacred Heart Radio. You're on the road to Christ. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Bridgetown Finer Meats, the place to go for Wagyu beef. This beef is bred from authentic Wagyu genetics from legendary Japanese bloodlines. Holistically raised on local family farms, Wagyu is all natural with no added hormones, highly marbled, and absolutely delicious. Since 1979, Bridgetown Finer Meats has continually offered prime beef, top quality pork, Amish poultry, fresh seafood, and a vast array of homemade foods. Bridgetown Finer Meats, 574-3100 and online at BridgetownFinerMeats.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Sunset Janitorial Supply, a Catholic family business supplying the tri-state cleaning industry with commercial cleaning supplies, personal hygiene, equipment, and even machine repair. Free delivery to your business. More information at sunsetjanitorialsupply.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Delhi and Harrison Pet Centers with everything your pet needs from guppies to puppies. Offering curbside pickup in-store and online shopping at DelhiPetCenter.com. That's DelhiPetCenter.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Fred Espenchide Plumbing. For plumbing and remodeling, Fred brings 55 years of experience to his work. Licensed in Ohio and Kentucky. Fred Espenchide, your pro-life plumber. 859-441-0950. 859-441-0950. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Rua Wood Psychological Services. Integrating psychological science and the truths of our Catholic faith with offices in Dayton and Cincinnati. More information at 513-407-8878 or rwpsych.org. 21 minutes past the hour now. This traffic report is a service of Rose Automotive at pre-owned vehicles on Erie Highway in Hamilton on the web at roseautomotivegroup.com. Largely cleared out on the interstates. Well, it wasn't too bad to begin with, at least since I started looking at the traffic maps. Southbound 75, a little heavy as you're heading through the Lachlan split. Now, for weather, starting to get cooler and feeling more like October. 
today in Cincinnati. Clouds early, then clearing, and a high of 72 today. Tonight, mostly cloudy with some isolated sprinkles and an overnight low of 45. Partly to mostly cloudy tomorrow with a slight chance for a shower and a high of 58 degrees. For the Miami Valley, Dayton area, decreasing clouds today and a high of 72. A slight chance for a shower early, but otherwise partly cloudy tonight with an overnight low of 43. Mix of sun and clouds with a slight chance for a shower tomorrow and a high of 56 degrees. Now, please pray with me the daily 54-day novena prayer for Ohio ahead of the November election and particularly for the intention of those headed to the Ohio March for Life today. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. Ever-living God, you give life and desire a future for all your children. Take hold of our nation, state, and community, and awaken in every heart awe for the gift of life. Send your spirit to strengthen us with wisdom and fortitude as we defend mothers and children in Ohio from laws that disregard their health and safety. Mary and Joseph trusted in you and welcomed Jesus into our broken world. Father, we ask their intercession to protect the preborn and their mothers and to guide all parents in raising their children. May they help us build a civilization of love by upholding the sacredness of life, preserving parental rights, and accompanying pregnant women in need. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Our Lady, Mother of the Family, pray for us. Saint Joseph, Protector of the Unborn, pray for us. Father Hezekiah Carnazzo joins us next. It's 24 past. Family, thank you for putting a Sacred Heart Radio bumper magnet on your vehicle. Because our recent listener survey told us just how many of you started listening after seeing one of our bumper magnets. In fact, some have declared that our bumper magnets are life changers. So to change lives, just take a drive. Showing off your Sacred Heart Radio bumper magnet. Now they're free, so to get one or a stack for your parish, go to sacredheartradio.com and click Signs and Magnets. That's sacredheartradio.com. Click Signs and Magnets. Catholic Engaged Encounter Weekends are a marriage preparation program led by married couples and a priest or deacon. What makes this marriage prep program unique is you will have two days as a couple to delve into important subjects that will affect your relationship together for the rest of your lives. More time for prayer and reconciliation and closing the weekend with Mass. More information is at cincinnati-covington.engagedencounter.com. That's cincinnati-covington.engagedencounter.com. The Comboni Missionaries present Taste of Mission Family Event, Saturday, October 7th. Enjoy international food booths, a beer and wine garden, and shopping from around the world at the Mission Market. Fantastic music, a special area for the kids, and new this year, a petting zoo. Admission is free. The Taste of Mission, Saturday, October 7th, from 4 to 8 p.m. at the Comboni Mission Center on Nagel Road in Anderson. More information at combonimissionaries.org backslash T-O-M. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Rose Automotive, serving the Hamilton area with a wide selection of pre-owned cars, trucks, and SUVs. Rose Automotive, celebrating over 30 years of automotive excellence. On Erie Highway in Hamilton, roseautomotivegroup.com. With us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Father Hezekiah Carnazzo from the Institute of Catholic Culture here to preview the Mass readings for the 27th Sunday in Ordinary Time. Father, good morning. 
Good morning, Annie. It's such a blessing to be with you and your listeners today. It is a blessing to have you back. And we head to the prophet Isaiah, very early on in the prophet Isaiah, for our first reading this weekend in chapter 5, verses 1 through 7. And it's kind of interesting, Father, because we've been hearing all of these parables from Jesus, and we will this weekend as well, that are focused on vineyard imagery. And now we see with this first reading that Jesus was alluding back to the Old Testament. Oh, yeah. You know, we need to remember, Annie, always, as I so commonly say, a, a, a text without a context is no text at all. And the Messiah without a context, sadly, is, I'm not going to say it's not the Messiah, but is misunderstood. And so Jesus is teaching in a context. Is, is the people around him um, are, are, are within a, a culture, and that culture is very much a biblical culture. So when Jesus is teaching, he's using images in the parables in his teaching. The images he uses, he's not kind of making up. These are images used by the prophets of the Old Testament to warn God's people of what is taking place in their life. Uh, and Jesus, of course, is coming as the final and greatest of prophets, the incarnate Word of God. And, and so he borrows from images in the Old Testament so as to allow the people around him to help them understand what he's saying. And, of course, they understood what he was saying because he's prophesying and he's quoting very clearly in the gospel that we hear today, the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah lived before the just just before the Babylonian exile, the impending doom was expected in Jerusalem that the Babylonians were to come down and conquer. The Assyrians were marching down uh, upon um, not only destroying the north, but marching on the south. Soon the Babylonians would take control, um, and the greatest army the world ever knew would march on Jerusalem and sadly burn it to the ground. Why? The question is asked, why? Well, Isaiah is very clear about that, because God had placed Israel in his, if you will, vineyard, yeah, the leaders of Israel, in the midst of his people, so as to cultivate the vineyard and make it fruitful, make it grow, make it more faithful to him. And yet they had abandoned their God-given mission to till and keep the church of the Old Testament, turning rather to idol worship and so forth, and, and abandon their relationship with God. So Isaiah is warning that in this situation in which the, those that were placed in a, the role of tilling and keeping God's people, in the situation in which they had abandoned their job, well, the vineyard was going to turn bad, and it was going to start growing wild grapes. It didn't bear good fruit. And the results of that would be very clear. And this is the image that Jesus picks up from the Old Testament. Yeah, and so in Matthew 21, we know that Jesus has already taken off the gloves, so to speak, when he's speaking to the chief priests and the elders, this parable being given to them during Holy Week. And he tells this parable about a landowner who plants a vineyard and he rents it out. And when the time comes to obtain the produce, he sends servants they get seized and beaten by the tenants. Then he sends even more servants. They get beaten and killed. And then he finally sends his son. But the tenants say, this is the heir. Come, let us kill him and acquire 
his inheritance. And, and Jesus goes on from there asking them, what is the landowner going to do? Father, this being directed at the, the chief priests and the elders here. It is. And of course, the fathers of the church interpreting this parable tell us that the imagery is very clear. The vineyard, of course, is the church. The servant sent are the, the patriarchs and the prophets, uh, the judges, and so forth. Those, all those that God sent to lead his people into all truth. But of course, they stoned the prophets and killed them. And then, of course, the son is Jesus. The most important thing of this parable is that, we, is that we begin in a theocentric way. God has provided everything necessary in his church for salvation. He's ensured that the, the heads row around it, right, the moral teachings of the church are there to guide us, uh, that all the protections are in place, the, the life of, of the church, the sacrament, everything necessary for the vineyard has been taken care of by God. But he has placed all of that in the hands of his chosen leadership, if you will, in, in our hands. Well, in the context of the gospel, in the, in the hands of the leaders of Israel who are meant to feel and keep and receive those God sent to them so that the harvest may be complete. But they've abandoned their job. And here we are in Holy Week. Jesus knows they're seeking to kill him. And so this is very clear, the imagery, Annie, of what's taking place. But of course, the gospel is written down in the years yeah. following all of this and given to the early church as a warning. Absolutely, which leads me to my last question. I mean, I guess when you're looking at the context here, they're in the midst of Holy Week, but we here liturgically are receiving this as we are now very much looking ahead toward Advent. So what is the message for the church here, Father? Well, I think it's very simple and very clear. The Lord has given us everything necessary for salvation. The church is filled with God's life, filled with his grace. But he's placed the hoe and the shovel, if you will, in our hands. And it's a warning today to all of us. If the Lord appeared today in our church, would we appear before him with a hoe in our hand or with our hands in our pocket? We have been given the church to till and keep and make it fruitful, that others might come and receive that fruit and grow themselves into the vineyard of the Lord. Sadly, today... As I've said so many times, too many Catholics, even too many priests and bishops, treat the church like a vending machine. And rather than tilling and keeping and growing it, we use it for our own ends. My brothers and sisters, the hoe has been placed in your hands. What are you going to do with the gift, which is the Church of God? We've been talking to Father Hezekiah Carnazzo. And Father, if listeners want to see what's happening over at the Institute of Catholic Culture, how do they get more info? We've just launched our new curriculum here at the ICC. I invite you to come on over and check it out. Institute of Catholic Culture.org. You can find that linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. And uh, very interested in the lecture that's coming up on Tuesday at the ICC. Conquering the Barbarians, the formation of the Latin West with Dr. John Pepino, who has been on the Sunrise Morning Show before. He's a patristic scholar and is actually going to be teaching the ICC's next year-long course. We're in Catholic political thought right now, but he is going to be teaching a year-long course on patristics.
for the ICC. Registration hasn't opened for that yet, but I'm sure we'll get Dr. Pepino on to talk about it uh, sometime next month when registration opens. 34 minutes past the hour now. It's time for news. The Ohio March for Life is taking place in just a few hours from now. Columbus Bishop Earl Fernandez is preparing to celebrate Mass in about a half an hour at 9 a.m. at St. Joseph's Cathedral in Columbus. And then we'll be joining March for Life President Jeannie Mancini, Senator J.D. Vance, and others at the rally at the state capitol starting at 11 a.m. with the march taking place after that at noon. This happening just about a month ahead of the November 7th election, which in Ohio will include a vote on a proposed amendment to enshrine abortion in the state constitution. The bishops of Ohio have urged all people to vote no on issue one. Meanwhile, Ohio's Attorney General Dave Yost has put out a document explaining the actual effects that passing issue one and issue two, the marijuana issue, would have on state law in Ohio. Yost wrote of issue one, quote, all told the amendment's new standard goes beyond pre-Dobbs law under Roe and Casey. That means that many Ohio laws would probably be invalidated, even those that were allowed under Roe and or Casey and might be at risk and others might be at risk to varying degrees. He spends a good part of this document providing a summary of many of those state laws that he says could be at risk. UAW President Sean Fain is expected to address union members again today on the status of contract negotiations with Detroit's big three automakers. Mark Mayfield reports. He has announced walkouts over the past couple of weeks and that may include more locations on Friday. There reportedly has been progress made in talks with Stellantis and Ford Motor Company, with Ford reportedly making a significant offer. It includes a large pay raise and the end of tiers for employees. General Motors has secured a $6 billion credit line as the talks continue. I'm Mark Mayfield. A number of diverse individuals gathered at the Vatican yesterday to reflect on the Pope's latest apostolic exhortation on the environment. From Vatican Radio, Joseph Tollock reports. A Nobel Peace Prize winning physicist, an internationally famous chef, an American novelist and a German climate change activist gathered in the Vatican Gardens to share their perspectives on Pope Francis's newly released apostolic exhortation, Laudate Deum. In the exhortation, Pope Francis warns that climate change has pushed us to the breaking point. He also criticizes climate change deniers, saying that the human origin of global warming is now beyond doubt, and describes how care for our common home flows from the Christian faith. In total, nine speakers were present at press conference in the Vatican. The first was physicist Giorgio Leonardo Renato Parisi, who won the Nobel Prize for Physics in 2021. He praised the scientific rigor of the Pope's document, adding that, unlike many scientific texts, it is written in clear and accessible language in order to reach as many people as possible. Another speaker was the U.S. writer and novelist Jonathan Safran Foer. He praised the Pope for challenging climate change deniers before stressing that acknowledging climate change but failing to act is, too, a type of denial. And when the future distinguishes between these two kinds of denial, which will appear to be a grave error and which a sin. We heard, too, from Louisa Marie Neubauer, the head of Fridays for the Future in Germany, 
She thanked Pope Francis for his witness and encouraged him and all those listening to continue with the church's ecological conversion, noting that full divestment from fossil fuels would represent a major step in that direction. One of the last speakers at the event was Benoit Algon, co-founder of the French Catholic youth organization Struggle and Contemplation. He stressed the necessity of personal conversion in the fight against climate change, saying that the danger is not only outside us but inside as well, and underlining the importance of the spiritual struggle against the desire to dominate and possess God's creation. I'm Joseph Tullock. And the work at the Synod on Synodality continues today and tomorrow before a day off on Sunday. A Vatican press conference held yesterday with Paolo Ruffini, the prefect of the Dicastery for Communication, said there are more than 400 delegates and the 35 working groups started off the Synod Assembly with some prayer and reflection. 838 now on the Sunrise Morning Show and Sports on Sacred Heart Radio is brought to you by Dr. Robert Berger and Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine online at beaconortho.com. Here's Paul Lockman. Well, thank you very much, Anna Mitchell. Last night, Thursday night football saw the Chicago Bears upset the Washington Commanders in week five with a 40 to 20 route. Game wasn't even that close. Chicago now one and four on the season after their first win. Washington slipped to two and three. Cincinnati Bengals trying to break out of their early slump this year. And as they head to Arizona to visit the Cardinals, Bengals coming off a very disappointing 27 and three road loss to Tennessee and hoping Joe Burrow will be back to his old self. He only threw for 165 yards as uh, Cincinnati dropped to one and three. Bengals have the 31st ranked scoring offense at 12.3 points per game. Let's get those numbers up. MLB postseason continues with the divisional series. Baltimore Orioles will kick off action on uh, Saturday as they host the Texas Rangers for game one at Camden Yards in the American League. Also in the American League, the Houston Astros welcome in former star Carlos Correa to Minnesota for game one in the National League. The Braves will host the Phillies while the Dodgers host the Diamondbacks. That's a check-in on sports. we got more on the Sunrise Morning Show right after this. Family, have you seen the Sunrise Morning Show on video? Well, now that we're up and running, our goal is to make the Sunrise Morning Show the best radio program on TV by having many of our regular guests appear on screen so you can see their interplay with Anna and Matt that's been hidden for all these years now. And coming soon, be on the lookout for special subscription-only interactive live video events that will be hosted by Anna and Matt. So hit that subscribe button today so you can join the forum. And now that we've crossed over into October, the month dedicated to the Holy Rosary, please pray an extra decade every day that the rights of parents and children will be protected in November. And please keep directing everyone to sacredheartradio.com so they'll know what's at stake in Ohio this November. And while they're on our website, ask them to make a donation to ensure that our pro-life message will never stop broadcasting on Sacred Heart Radio, the Sacred Heart Radio app, and sacredheartradio.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Dr. Robert Berger at Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine. Dr. Berger has been recognized by Cincinnati Magazine nearly every year over the past 20 years as one of the top physicians in orthopedic surgery, and he serves as team physician for Xavier University, Mount St. Joseph University, and LaSalle High School. Dr. Berger treats patients of all ages at the Beacon West office on Harrison Avenue and on the east side at Cincinnati Sports Club. For more information, 513-354-3700, online at beaconortho.com. 
Sacred Heart Radio is blessed to have the support of Larkin Cobb Chevrolet Buick GMC in Eaton, Ohio, offering a wide range of new and used cars, trucks, and SUVs with on-site financing. Larkin Cobb, close to Eaton, Richmond, Dayton, and Brookville. On the web at LarkinCobb.com. Sacred Heart Radio is brought to you by you. Yes, your donations make Catholic Radio possible, so to give a gift of any amount, please visit SacredHeartRadio.com and click Donate or call 513-731-7740. And thank you. The Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swain. Glad to talk to Dr. Dan Keebler, biology professor at Franciscan University. If you've not checked out the Purposeful Lab podcast, you should. It's a great a series of discussions on faith and science. Dr. Keebler, how are you? I'm doing well this morning. How are you? I know you got season two coming up, or actually, is it already out? It's it's coming up. Um, it's launching uh, today and next week, and so we got a great group of guests that we brought in. It's a, so the best part of the podcast is getting the, uh, some great scientists, theologians, philosophers in to talk about some very interesting topics. So we talk a lot about uh, this next season, cosmology, like how the universe began. We look at sort of the smallest parts of the universe, uh, the subatomic level, and look at that order and, and, and beauty that you find there and, and reflect upon that. And uh, we also look at, uh, you know, the possibility of life on other planets and, and UFOs and things like that that are related to, you know, space. Uh, so it's a it's a it's a, a great uh, sort of interdisciplinary um, talk that's, uh, that that is uh, aimed for your average person that's just interested in uh, learning more about these issues and how science and the Catholic faith sort of um, are compatible and synergistic with each other. Well, I saw uh, your co-host Catherine Hadro recently, and I told her I said I don't know which uh, specific demographic you're aiming at with these, but I listened to a couple of these episodes in the car with my 11-year-old son, and he was having me pause like every two minutes to explain some stuff because he had like follow-up questions, uh, so he was dialed in. So if you're aiming for the 11-year-old boy audience, you've got him. We so got it. All know. right. That's great. That's good to hear. So I'll have to have him call in and give us some questions. Indeed. <laughs> oh, uh, you're not ready for him. I can tell you that. <laughs> all right. So Laudate Deum came out, and here's an opportunity for uh, – all of us to kind of think about not just the moral questions related to how Catholics are supposed to live in this world that God created for us, but also some of the scientific stuff behind it. And, you know, I'm not a scientist, so I hardly know what to ask in these conversations. But there's some moral points that I think that even those of us who are really confused by science uh, when it enters the conversation can still get our heads around as Catholics. Uh, what are, would you say are some of the main moral points we need to have in our minds as we approach these conversations about how to care for creation. Yeah, I think one of the, the the key points. This is something that Pope Benedict made a lot: is to to we have to uh, see creation as a gift, right? Uh, and that's sort of what the the Genesis story is getting at. This is a gift uh, to us from God, and as a result, you know, any gift that God gives us, we don't want to abuse that gift. We want to steward it and use it to the best of our ability for um, you know the uh, our, our ultimate good, which is to make it to heaven and experience the beatific vision. Um, I think the problems arise, you know, when we either see creation as the ultimate good, um, you know, it's uh, like protecting the environment is the uh, an, uh, an ultimate end rather than, you know, as a gift from God, or we um, sort of ignore it and say, well, it's not as important, it's more important uh, that I have comfort and that uh, the, <clears throat> have material comfort of the things that I want, and we raise that above our stewardship of the gift that God has given to us. 
Well, there are so many ways this conversation breaks down, and, and uh, you know, you try and have reasonable conversations about these <laughs> things, and people just uh, explode, right, because it's been yeah. so polarized uh, by partisan factions. But, you know, I come at this from a few different directions. Uh, one is that, you know, I come from a church that's like, we don't want unnatural interventions in marriage, right? That's uh, right. Why? Because we know that God created marriage for a certain purpose. So I kind of tend to map that on to how I think about the rest of creation, <laughs> right? Uh, like, what what is it that we're doing that is in harmony with God created, how God created us to be, how he wants us to live in this world, in which things are unnatural sort of thwartings of his creative intention? I mean, that to me is a good place to start on some of this. Right, I think that's right. There's a there's a balance that we have with nature that we should be in balance with it. Not because nature is a god or a deity, but because that is how we should be viewing the gift of the natural world that God has has given us. You know, I think in humans are, are are resilient. We've made mistakes in the past in the way we've interacted with the environment. I, you know, Steubenville were in in uh, industrial uh, rust belt there, and you know, if you look back and what these cities like Cleveland and Pittsburgh were you know, 60, 70 years ago. The amount of pollution that was going on there, uh, we realized, oh, this is a problem, and we take a lot of steps to, to fix fix and rectify that and realize, okay, we can't treat the environment this way. I think we're in a similar situation right now, and how do we rectify and treat the environment in a way that respects the gift that God has has, has given us? And I think we're making a, a lot of progress. I think the, there's a lot of, you know, sort of doomsday scenarios that come with, with the, you know, the whole global warming thing, but I think the reality is that you know, for the most part, society has responded, and we have a lot to be optimistic about. You know, in terms of you know what we're already doing. I think about a fourth of the U.S. energy supply is renewable energy, and in probably in a few years, five or six years, it might be up to seventy-five percent, and so forth. So, the 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 world, particularly the developed world, is making many many strides to make our um, sort of energy use, uh, I, I think, more um, in tune with uh, uh, the environment. Um, so, I. I think there's a lot of positive things that 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 that, that have, have come uh, from this. Even though you know there is some uh, debate over exactly how much um, the the climate is going to be disrupted by humans, but clearly there is uh, there is a connection. Uh, you know the debate is sort of how much that can, uh, humans have influenced the climate, and I think you know we we should take measures to um, you know, sort of uh, change what we're doing if we have that ability to do, and we do, and that's that's the, the human ingenuity that I. Think think is uh, is is always on display when there is some type of uh, you know um, crisis that comes up well that's where the partisanship really flares up right <laughs> in right. those conversations yeah. but i know this you know from my work at the coming home network working with all these people who are coming into the church from various backgrounds it's amazing how many of them say i was looking upon creation and i felt god present in it and i think to myself well at the very least, we got to care for it because it's an evangelistic tool. <laughs> so, oh, yeah, so without a doubt, without yes. a doubt, so many people are brought to, and and you look at the book of uh, wisdom and talks about you know who, who by knowing his his works yeah. doesn't get to know the the creator. So this there's is something Augustine beautiful story, about it, right? This is how yeah, Augustine right. phrases it. Well, we've got purposeful lab linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Definitely go check out the podcast, Dr. Dan Keebler. Thank you so much. Have a great day. All right, thanks for having me. All right, season two coming out quick.
We're back after this. It's 11 till. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Fred Espenchide Plumbing. For plumbing and remodeling, Fred brings 55 years of experience to his work. Licensed in Ohio and Kentucky. Fred Espenchide, your pro-life plumber. 859-441-0950. 859-441-0950. For Catholics, being united with God for eternity is the goal of earthly life. A Catholic cemetery is sacred because it holds our bodies, once temples of the Holy Spirit, until the Lord comes again. The Archdiocese of Cincinnati has consecrated Gate of Heaven Catholic Cemetery to provide this ministry and remind us that life is not ended, but changed. Today, you can ensure that you and your loved ones are interred in accordance with your faith. Call 513-489-0300 or visit gateofheaven.org. Working to see the culture of life prevail in the Miami Valley, Dayton Right to Life is here to protect God's gift of life through law, education, and community action, from fertilization to natural death. Find Dayton Right to Life online at DaytonLife.org. That's DaytonLife.org. The Cincinnati Chapter of Legatus is a national network of Catholic business owners, CEOs, and managing partners facing the challenges of faith, family, and business each day. We meet once a month with our spouse for a mass, dinner, and speaker. We have the support of the Archdiocese of Cincinnati and many members throughout the parishes, including yours. We would appreciate the chance to share what we are about with you and enjoy Mass together soon. Contact us at Cincinnati at Legatus.org. That's Cincinnati at Legatus.org. It's 10 till. Joining us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Steve Bowman with Paradisus Dei, and that man is you. Steve, good morning. Good morning. How are you today? I am doing great. It's good to have you back on the show after many, many years since you uh, last joined us. And a good reason to come on. You've just narrated a documentary film that will be out in theaters a little later this month called What is Love? So, Steve, did you find out what is love? <laughs> I did. I did. You know, it's uh, it's amazing. And obviously, uh, the church has been contemplating this mystery for 2,000 years, but I think it's more about the heart than the head. Mm. In what ways do you explore this topic of love? I mean, there are so many different ways, so many different directions that you could take a documentary film on on love. So what what directions do you take? You know, uh, we take the direction that the, uh, the in the old days, the church had what they called the three wisdoms, that all of this is called to fit together. And so, and of course, we know that faith and science and reason and all of that all go together. So we actually combine three critical things. And that is obviously our faith, reason, in our case, science, and then great stories that this isn't just about academic, you know, research. This is about the lives we live. So we have some amazing stories, and then we pull them apart to see uh, how our faith and science help us understand it. When does this come out? Uh, October 16th. So it's not this coming Monday, but the one after that, which happens to be the day that John Paul II uh, was elected pope. Ah. Well, that works out nicely uh, with John Paul II and how much he had to speak on love, human love in particular. Tell us a little bit more about some of the stories that you tell in this documentary. Sure. You know, we've got stories literally from across the globe, and we cover, and we wanted this to be a, a deeper discussion about love, not just kind of a superficial 
And so we've got amazing stories, and they run the gamut. I mean, we have stories from love at first sight of two people who didn't even speak the same language, but they made it work. They're married, and 25 years later, they're still married in Hedera Hills. Do they understand each other yet? (laughs) They speak the same language. Well, that's Um, good. (laughs) Yeah. And so, uh, but then we've got Immaculate's story. Of course, the Mm -hmm. woman who forgave her, uh, the man who murdered her family. We've got a uh, John Pridmore, who's a man in London who was in the mafia, did really bad things, and as something of an Augustine Monica story, his mother prayed him back, uh, literally from a near-death experience. And so we've got all sorts of stories that uh, run the gamut, and we get to see the very fa- different facets of love, from romantic love that we all think about, but we have Gianna Mola's story in there a parent, a child, and so uh, we have lots of stories. What did you learn about love, Steve? Did you learn anything you didn't know before? Uh, yeah. I learned that, you know, at the end of the day, truly, and I mean, when we say did learn anything you didn't know before, again, it's the head and the heart. And love is a gift of self, is how John Paul d- described it, right? Mm-hmm. And that gift of self, when it's made, and it's not the warm fuzzies, but you're doing it, and that can happen in dramatic moments, but it can happen in the middle of the night when your kid's sick and you get up or when you're crashing and burning at work but your child needs something, you have to do it, or your parent, and you need to go hold your parent's hand because now they're at the end of their life. And so it's really that gift of self, and when that gift of self is made and it doesn't have the warm fuzzies and it's inconvenient or it's difficult, it's truly that self-sacrificial nature that I'm not thinking about myself I'm thinking of someone else that's love that's really beautiful can you talk about that in light of the story of Immaculate Ilibigisa and tell listeners a little bit for those who are not I know her her story is is fairly famous but can you talk a little bit more about her story and how that idea of gift of self uh, plays out when you're forgiving someone who killed your family Oh, my land. You know, so Immaculate was uh, in the Rwandan genocide. She hid in the closet for 91 days. Uh, when she came out of the closet, uh, she discovered that everyone in her family, with the exception of one of her brothers uh, that was in uh, Senegal because he was studying for veterinary school, uh, the rest of her family had been killed. Mm. And then she had a vision where her family, and specifically her favorite brother, Damascene, appeared to her from heaven. And Damascene told her God expected her to go and forgive the man Felician who killed um, all of them. And she couldn't believe it, but she did it. And the beautiful thing that she discovered when she did it is, and at that point in time, Felician was imprisoned. And um, the thing that she discovered is she was the one who was set free. Wow. That when she did it, she was the one set free, and Felicia, of course, remained in prison. And as she and I was talking, it was she knew he has to live with this the rest of his life. And yet, she's set free. And by the way, we take the science of all of this. A, that experience that she had with Damascene from heaven, can that be real or not? And then B, are we made to be compassionate? God made us 
to be compassionate. Incredible. We've been talking to Steve Bowman, and uh, you can get more information about this linked at Sunrise Morning Show, the documentary, What is Love? Steve, really appreciate your time this morning. Thank you. Hey, thank you so much. Take care. You bet. You too. May God bless you and keep you and grant you his peace. Support for Sacred Art Radio is from Rua Wood Psychological Services, integrating psychological science and the truths of our Catholic faith with offices in Dayton and Cincinnati. More information at 513-407-8878 or rwpsych.org. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Hoting Realtors. Equipped with the latest technology and market knowledge, Hoting Realtors can make the buying and selling process easier. 513-451-4800 and Hoting.com. Longtime underwriter and proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio, Cincinnati Right to Life ensures that God-given human rights are guaranteed for all simply by being human. Regardless of age or stage, ability or disability, CincinnatiRightToLife.org. I'm Bill Torbeck of Tri-State Abrasive and Tool Company, proud to support Sacred Heart Radio. Diamond and CBN are the most advanced cutting tools because they are the hardest materials known. These enable you to machine three to eight times faster compared to carbide while reducing downtime for tool changes by 90%. Improve your productivity when machining hard, cast, and powdered metals or difficult-to-machine materials. Find out more at TheAbrasiveOne.com. That's the number one, TheAbrasiveOne.com. Why wait in endless lines at the pharmacy when Brozard Pharmacy, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio, can fill your prescriptions in a timely manner with high quality. Brozard Pharmacy, fast, friendly service without the wait at brozartpharmacy.com. Many times, the death of a loved one occurs while they are away from home. Depending on the distance, this expense could cost their family tens of thousands of dollars. To help families, the Cincinnati Catholic Cemetery Society offers the Travel Plan, which assists in bringing home a loved one if death occurs more than 100 miles from their residence. A reasonable one-time fee provides a lifetime of coverage. Find out more about the Travel Plan at the Cincinnati Catholic Cemetery Society, 557-2306, extension 319, or online at cccsohio.org. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from St. Michael's Rosaries and Religious Articles. Proudly partnering with Dayton Right to Life and the Stork's Nest Baby Pantry to support babies and families in need. More information online at stmichaelscustomrosaries.com. This is Cardinal Raymond Burke. Thank you for listening to Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. 740 WNOP Newport, 910 WPFB Middletown, or get the app, stream, podcast, and more at sacredheartradio.com. Sacred Heart.